are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. He got caught up in a lot of work, and with great work. That was great responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via most spoiler free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 480, 480, and uh, this week we are talking Spider-Man, colon, no Way Home, the third entry in the Tom Holland MCU-centric Spider-Man films, the latest in the MCU in general, and a film that all around defied all kinds of expectations and made a ton of money this past weekend. Um, so, to do this, to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, I have enlisted uh, several uh, exciting guests. We have newly minted editor for SlashFilm.com and co-host of the 10 to 1 podcast, and an unpaid intern for the Daily Bugle. It's Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Also joining us, host of the Too Fast, Too Forever, a Fast and Furious podcast, and running for vice president of Flash Thompson's Flash Mob, it's Joey Lewandowski. <laughs> I'm not a big Flash fan, but I uh, will accept the role of uh, vice, pres- vice president if that is what is asked of me. Hello, hello, hello. And joining us from Why So Blue, still hoping for a Night Monkey spinoff, it's Peter Paris. <laughs> hey, everybody. How are the three of you doing this evening? Very I'm well, thank good. you. I'm uh, I'm 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 getting ready to settle in. Uh, probably trying to platinum Miles Morales, which I haven't haven't done. Which I think Aaron, you did when the game came out. Damn straight. Oh, I think I did that <laughs> in uh, March of this year. So yeah, that was a uh, that was good. I like that. Nice. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I started my new game plus, and then I was like, oh, Spider Man's on the brain. So I'm like, maybe I'll play Miles this week. So. Brad, did you play any Spider-Man recently? Just to I sure haven't I had time to play any video games, and it makes me so mad. <laughs> well, you know, the holidays are coming. Hopefully there's there's some time. I'm going to be spending most of my holidays catching up on all the movies I haven't seen so I can do proper year-end coverage because I am way behind. Uh, I'm so glad that I'm not the only person who feels like a sense of responsibility. Like, I need to spend every waking hour in December to watch the movies. Like, not enjoy the holidays, not enjoy the movies, but, like, watch what I miss so that my list can be correct and accurate and I can feel good about it. Well, Joey, yeah. with, with great movies. How many times – do we want to have, like, a set of, <laughs> set of guess on how many times you're going to say that? Because we're already at two, and we're pretty early. I hope we keep track make this work. I'll keep a tally. Oh, wait, I bought a clicker. Let me go. I'm going to get my clicker. I'm going to get a clicker, too. Hold on. All right. Please keep going. Well, Brad, maybe you can bust out the old PS2 and play Spider-Man 2 on that one at some point. Oh, I would love it. I love that game so much. Remember getting those pizzas? You got to deliver them? Pizza time. (laughs) And it would play the vaguely Italian pizza music when you'd have to go on the pizza missions. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it was vaguely Italian. It was pretty blatantly Italian. (laughs) I just don't want to get anybody sued. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but no, glad to have all of you guys here. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home with all of you. When I hear some varying opinions and what have you, and of course there's plenty of Spider-Man stuff to talk about to begin with. Uh, but before we do all that, let's get to some show notes. We talk about some stuff that's going on around these parts. It is the holiday season, which means there are lots of movies that are dropping at various times, um, which also means that we planned it, and we, of course we have the, the Christmas holiday coming up very shortly, which means that we're going to be in various locations and vacations and all kinds of things that run with Asian. So that means that the show, uh, we're going to see how what kind of show episodes we can record and what have you as we keep this thing going here, but expect a Matrix review, of course, and we'll 
likely be covering Del Toro's uh, Nightmare Alley at some point as well. Um, and of course, Licorice Pizza. So there's, there's some big movies that will get either uh, nights, nights episodes or some bonus shows or what have you. But, uh, you know, Abe and I have plans to cover plenty of stuff. Uh, what else? Commentary track. Each month in the podcast, we do a commentary track. This month was no different. We talked about The Matrix Reloaded. Peter, you were on that track. And, um, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. We talked all about the uh, the second Matrix film in anticipation of, anticipation of the fourth Matrix film. That just makes sense. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's up there now on iTunes where you can find all the episodes of our show, which, of course, would be great because you can then leave us a rating and review, which would pop us up in the old iTunes charts. So, yeah, I think that's everything for the uh show notes here let's move on let's get to let's get some now quickies yeah um let's start with uh peter let's start with you what are what are some new movies what are some recent movies you've seen well i actually um i loved nightmare alley uh speaking of which obviously went toe-to-toe against uh spider-man this weekend and did not do as well um but uh, <laughs> it was on the cusp, but it just didn't quite get yeah. there. <laughs> it was gonna be neck and neck. I think Sony. I think uh, I think Disney didn't know if it was gonna be Fox, their Fox uh, acquisition that was gonna make them money. Not at all. This was ads. I think was this was the problem. I think that's what it was. Exactly. Like uh, I, I will say though, I think it's my, I, I know that Aaron and I uh, had a discussion about this, and I, I did not have a retort at the time, but. I do like when people ask me about Del Toro movies, I do like to say like when I'm like ranking his films, I'm like, well, there's his English language movies and then there are his like obviously, you know, native uh, Spanish, you know, uh, language films. And I guess the reason I think of that is I think he's more successful than John Woo, but I, I do think there is something to directing a film in your native tongue. And so I do tend to think of his, those movies as a separate ranking for me than the English language ones. Does that does that sound fair? I think of the international language of film, which is all I mean, well, sure. That's what, that's what I like, think. That's why I don't I separate know, his but like directing actors and stuff. And, yeah, no, I sure. Um, I, I, but, I, I mean, I like Blade 2 more than I like Kronos. I mean, it doesn't make oh, no, a difference well, to me. Sure, sure. I'm not saying that everyone... Do I like his... Blade 2 more than Kronos? I don't know. I like Hellboy 2 more than I like Kronos. I'll put that there. That's that's a firm stance for me. I would have to... I haven't seen Blade 2 in forever, but I will say in my mind when I think of his... How about his big studio movies? Crimson Peak was has been my favorite, um, but I don't know. Nightmare Alley might be my new favorite. I've only seen it once, though, whereas I've seen Crimson Peak, you know, many times, um, but I, I really loved it, uh, and then I ended up watching the... I had bought the Criterion of the original film, uh, and I didn't watch it before, uh, and I really like that too. I think you you prefer the '40s film, I think. Very much so. Without getting too far into my thoughts on Nightmare Alley, yes, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Tyrone Power film. Uh, but I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. You know, perfect kind of holiday esque type of movie, even though it's not really a holiday film, but it's the kind of movie that, you know, for some reason I feel like mid 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 size mid level budget studio movies we used to see more of in the past so uh, i was a big fan so i'd say that's the newest movie besides the one we're going to talk about that i saw all right brad how about you what have you seen recently i have actually been super slacking which is one of the main reasons that i have to do so much catch-up and so yeah i mean the most recent movie i've seen is the one that we're going to talk about in this podcast so i'll save that um i mean like yeah i, I went to london last week that's oh yeah that's, what was going on yeah. over there 
they there was this um uh press event for the home video release of No Time to Die and so like I, if I'm going to suggest something, I would suggest going to London during Christmas sometime in, in, in your lifetime. And if you somehow have access to uh, the Jaguar Land Rover facility and someone can drive you around on a muddy stunt course and you get chased by other Land Rovers and motorcycles, then then do that. Because that's what I did last week. All right. <laughs> Doesn't sound like there's much to complain about there. <laughs> yeah, if, if if I'm not catching up on movies, I'm glad that that was something that I, I was able to do, especially before the coronavirus started getting even more out of hand. It was uh, good good timing on uh, the part of Universal. There you, there you go. Uh, Joey, how about you? What have you seen recently? After I saw Spider-Man in theaters the other night, I saw... I also saw Nightmare Alley, which I did not like as much as you guys. But I will say that I just got back from literally an hour ago. I just saw The Lost Daughter, oh, the yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal movie. Loved it. Amazing. I also saw like a week ago Drive My Car. So that also like these are – I have the AMC A-list because I just see everything if I can. But these are two that I have to go hunt down. And I would say that they are both well worth your time. If you have not seen them, if, you, if they're not playing your big multiplex whatever – both worth seeking out i think they're both incredible and like kind of like adult movies in a way that like is sort of rare i think mm-hmm. if that makes sense i don't know if that makes sense i hear what you're saying i i'm picking up what you're throwing down and uh, like uh the word that i that my friend and i were talking about with drive my car is that it's cozy it's just kind of like it's a three-hour long movie so like you gotta know what you're getting into but like it just feels like warm and inviting it really and is it, it, it manages nice. that pace really well i i agree and um 40 minutes in, you're like, oh, the movie started now. It's like, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great little the, uh, the thing that happens 40 minutes in, that is one of my favorite things when a movie does it. I'm just like, yes, this was, uh, yes. And yeah, The Lost Daughter, that that movie is very good. Like, that's, I've held on to that one longer than I expected to for a movie like that. Like, it's, uh, it does its job. It's well made. It's just crazy to me that that's her first movie. That, like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's great. I just loved, I loved it. Uh, I've seen a few things that I'll make note of. Um, a couple of animated films. I saw Rumble. This is the kaiju wrestling movie that was supposed to hit theaters next year. And then Paramount was like, what if we just dumped it onto our streaming service all of a sudden? Um, and they did that. And uh, I got a screener. I watched it. That's Will Arnett as a monster in a world where monsters are entirely friendly and willing to compete in competitive sports for humans. And uh, no problems there. Uh, the movie itself, uh, it's it's not very good, uh, which is a shame. I think there's, you know, it, I'm intrigued automatically by, you know, giant kaijus wrestling each other. So I was hoping for more, um, at least on a minimal entertainment level. And it just doesn't really deliver much because the story has nothing really of interest outside of being a very traditional underdog type tale. Um, so, Peter, you probably love it. You love underdogs. Um I do. <laughs> I watched uh, Ron's Gone Wrong as well. This is a film about humans versus machines featuring Olivia Coleman in a supporting role as a voice of uh, something involved in that. So uh, that's exactly Mitchell's versus the machines. Just nothing uh, anywhere near as good. There's some moments. Uh, Zach Galifianakis uh, plays like this, this like robot iPad basically <laughs> and, like rolls around in it. There's some amusing bits or what have you. It's it just feels like, oh, I feel like I've seen a technology-focused film like this already this year, which was just so supremely good that it's, this one just wasn't uh, all that inspired by comparison. Uh, and the last thing I, I watched, I saw this a couple of weeks ago with my lovely girlfriend, A Journal for Jordan, 
um, which is coming out soon. This is Denzel. Denzel Washington made a movie again. Um, <laughs> this time it's based on a memoir slash true story um, about a soldier who uh, falls during his service and the girlfriend and son that he leaves behind. You have Michael B. Jordan as said soldier, Chante Adams as his girlfriend, and you kind of go back and forth in time watching their relationship blossom and the things that go from there. Um, this movie's entirely fine. Uh, it's nothing in, entirely special, but I do think the the relationship that's shown between these two, I think, works well enough. I think there's there's stuff that could have been handled a little bit better as far as basically make, justifying the title. Um, but uh, for the most part, like if, if Denzel Washington wants to make a film like this that can be enjoyed over the holidays, so be, if so desired. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, all right. That's enough cookies. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some trailer talk. Talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's going out, what we thought of it, what have you. In honor of Spider-Man, we have a first preview of Spider-Man going across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Uh, this is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, it once again features Miles Morales. It's uh, played by Shabik uh, uh, Moore. Uh, you also have Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy. Oscar, Oscar Isaac coming in this time around as Spider-Man 20, 2099. And I believe Issa Rae was added to the cast as Spider-Woman, okay, Jessica Drew. Uh, new directing team this time around. There was a trio last time. We have a new trio here. We have Joaquin DeSantos, who I believe is part of, like, the last Airbender uh, universe, along with Kemp Powers, who was on One Night in Miami, wrote that film, and then, like, co-directed Soul for Pixar, and Justin K. Thompson. Um, you still have Phil Ward and Chris Miller very involved in the, you know, story process or what have you, but basically we just have a new Spider-Verse film. You guys excited for more Spider Verse, Peter? Where where are you with with this this preview for Spider Verse? I am a uh, I like the trailer a lot, and I'm very surprised when I I feel like the trailer went up. Was it maybe last week? When did it go up? It was like a couple weekends ago. Yeah. It's weird because I remember when I saw it because the opening goes you know in another verse or something. I was like, oh, is this gonna be? The East is this basically the thing that's at the end of No Way Home? It, it would have been a perfect like thing. It's so strange to me. Not that I'm unhappy with what they did, but it's just I assume that that's what we were going to get again. Um, I loved Into the Spider Into the Spider Verse, the first one. Um, it's one of those movies though. For some reason, there sometimes I see movies that I like, like I just love it. I think it's great. And for whatever reason, life gets in the way, and I never revisit it. So, like, I have the 4K and everything, and for some reason I've never watched it, but I, I, I plan on watching it, you know, this week or maybe right after Christmas. Um, so I'm excited. And I liked the trailer, um, even though it does have the back-end montage, I like that we have, like, a nice scene, like, you know, him and his, him and his, uh, in, in his room and everything. I thought that was a really nice, like, kind of open, cold open type of thing. Joey, how about you? Where are you with the Spider-Verse? Well... So I founded the Cage Club Podcast Network because we started a podcast about Nicolas Cage. So I uh, really, truly love the first one with with Cage as Spider-Man Noir. I think it's wonderful. I think the movie, the first movie is incredible. And I, you know, as much as I enjoyed the movie that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, Spider-Verse is still my favorite Spider-Man movie. I'm excited for the second one. If Cage is not in it, I'm going to be less excited. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's just that's a, it's a fact. I mean, I know that he was not like the reason I love the first one. He's the he's the reason I love the first one even more. I usually don't watch trailers, but I watched it for you because I I, I love and respect you. And Appreci- I want to do appreciate you a it. solid. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't really get me excited in a way. I don't know if that, I, you know, 
I'm already excited for it. Like the reason I don't watch trailers usually is because I'm I'm gonna see this movie. So this didn't really get me amped for it. Uh, but I it still looks nice and I like some of the beats in it. But you know I'm gonna see it. Like I'm, I don't need this trailer to sell me or this teaser, this first look to to sell me on it. Like I'm gonna go see it. So I'm excited for it. Uh, please let Nicolas Cage come back as a surprise Spider-Man Noir, maybe in color this time. I don't know. But yeah. Brad, how about you? Yeah, I'm super jazzed for this movie. Uh, I loved Into the Spider-Verse. It was one of the best movies of the year. It's one of the best Spider-Man movies. It's one of the best Marvel Comics movies. It's an incredible feat of animation. Uh, it's clearly had an influence on animation since then, since uh, as there are a, few, a couple movies that have come out since then that have taken um, a similar style, and there's a couple more that are coming up that are also venturing outside of the norm uh, when it comes to just the visuals of, of an animated movie like this. And yeah, the, uh, I I miss the days of like teasers that used to have like uh, scenes that kind of set up the movie as opposed to full on trailers. And like you know, like was just said, there is a bit of a montage at at the end here that teases how the animation will get even more uh, trippy and surreal and venture into uh, even more uh, stylized an- animation. Um, but for me, it's just it's all about the characters and the story that, that they're telling along with that animation, um, because it's it's dazzling on a number of levels. And one of the things I like seeing here is that uh, we see that that Miles has uh, grown up a little bit. He looks a little bit more mature in, in his face and his physique. And uh, I'm interested to see what Spider-Man, uh, um, you know, knew what new Spider-Man await in this uh across the universe, especially since it's part one, which means there's going to be uh, something big that happens that leads into part two. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed that they can pull off another miracle with the sequel. Yeah. I have nothing to add. That's really new in all of this discussion. I, I think the, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of into the spider verse. Give me more now, please is basically my response to like what the end of that movie too gave me um, this. Well, I, I agree with you, Brad, that like the idea and Joey, that the idea, like having just like a, a scene from the movie that reflects like the thing that you liked as far as these characters go is a good way to kind of bring you back in without revealing, you know, far too much information about what's taking place in the story. Um, and then like having this, what seems more like a proof of concept, um, you know, preview of what's to come as far as the animation goes. That's like, that's a clever bit um, without like, you know, again, de- delving into like what the story actually is. We just know that there's a lot of universe hopping. It seems like that's going to be going on. And I, I want to see what that is uh, right away, but I have to wait. We all have to wait because uh, the movie doesn't come out till October 7th, 2022. So we got some, we got some time on that one. But that's going to be okay because we have plenty of Spider-Man to talk about, which is what we're going to do uh, right now. Let's uh, let's get into uh, our review, guys, for the 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 main review here for Spider-Man: called No Way Home. So, Peter, to what do I owe the pleasure? I'm sorry to bother you, sir. Please, we saved half the universe together. I think we're beyond you calling me, sir. Okay, Stephen. That feels weird, but I'll allow it. When Mysterio revealed my identity, my entire life got screwed up. I was wondering if maybe you could make it so that he never did. Strange. Don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous. Fine. I won't. The entire world is about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Wait, everyone? Can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So MJ's gonna forget about everything we've ever been through? Stop tampering with the spell. 
Oh my god, Ned. He's my best friend. Bro, my animation really good. Stop talking. That should have been some of the trailer for Spider-Man, called No Way Home. While it feels like it's been several years since we last saw Spider-Man, these MCU-focused entries have all come out within two years of each other, uh, which is rather fitting for No Way Home, which opens right where Far From Home left off. With his identity revealed to the world, Peter Parker's whole life has been flipped upside down. Even worse, he, MJ, and his best friend Ned have all been rejected by MIT as a result. What's a Spider-Man to do? Well... He decides to go to Doctor Strange, hoping a spell can erase this knowledge from everyone's memory. For various reasons, it backfires, instead pulling out various characters from other eras of Spider-Man throughout the multiverse. Now having to deal with the likes of Green Goblin and Doctor Octopus, among others, Peter Parker will truly learn that with great power comes great responsibility. Brad, thank you for that clip. Three. <laughs> Brad, where, where have you been with um, the uh, the MCU Spider-Man films? What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this newest one? Um, I've very much enjoyed them for the most part. I think Tom Holland is both an excellent Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, I think I liked Homecoming a little bit more uh, than Far From Home, simply because it did such a great job of balancing uh, high school street-level Peter Parker with some of the bigger elements of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, including you know fitting in characters like Tony Stark. And I think if there was one problem that I have had with the MCU Spider-Man, it's that they haven't let... Uh, Tom Holland really be the star of his own franchise and have relied a lot on having other characters be integral to his evolution as a superhero, whether it's Tony Stark or Mysterio, um, and even to a certain extent, uh, Doctor Strange in No Way Home. Um, so, you know, I, I was definitely excited to see where they went with this one, especially considering all of the rumors that were uh, in play. And I was happy to see that this um, this did a lot of exciting things and uh, some stuff that I was expecting, some stuff that I absolutely wasn't expecting. And but for me, I think the most pleasant surprise is just how uh, how much of an emotional experience this is. There's um, some real pulling at heartstrings in a variety of ways. Uh, some of it tears of joy, some of it tears of sadness. Uh, on top of the Marvel blockbuster spectacle of it all. And it just, it all uh, coalesces into being this kind of miracle of a movie that I really can't believe that Marvel and Sony were able to pull off. It's it's not perfect. Um, I do think that the the first uh, hour, hour and a half or so can are a little bit clunky. It's not terrible by any means. It doesn't really take away from uh, the movie as a whole that it makes me uh, think less of it necessarily, but it's just they have to do a lot in a, a short period of time and it requires a kind of a, a truncated presentation of the story. But uh, that last that last hour is full of so many cool things that it just uh, it really makes it so that those things didn't bother me. And I just um, yeah, I, I really just adore this movie. And I, I think that it, it really did finally um, it, it actually is a nice cap to the this this trilogy of Spider-Man movies because it does something interesting I think with Spider-Man and Peter Parker that kind of makes up for the fact that Peter Parker hasn't been uh, the star of his own franchise and I think that this kind of sets the table for um, him to start evolving even more as a, a character in the MCU so yeah big two big thumbs up for me all right Peter let me go to you next I. Uh... Hey. Peter Parker? <laughs> Peter Parker. <laughs> Peter Paris. I, I'm curious. 
your your thoughts on your where like, your what your connection to Spider-Man is in general as far as have you been like a fan throughout the throughout the ages and what did you think of this new film? You know, Spider-Man's always been my favorite. I'm I am by no means um a huge comic book person. I I as a as a kid and as a teen, I did read I read some X, X-Men and some Spider-Man, but honestly, growing up, I would say the thing that really got me into Spider-Man was the um it was I, I want to say it was like a Saturday morning is it Spider-Man and his amazing friends was that is that the 80s I think it's like an 80s show or something um so yeah Spider-Man's always been my favorite you know Aaron I know you're a big Batman like uh not to say that you don't like Spider-Man but um I have Batman so posters in front of me I have Spider-Man posters behind me <laughs> right uh, uh but yeah I'm a huge pretty big Spider-Man fan and like I remember I remember when I was younger, I, you know, James Cameron was supposed to do Spider-Man and I was so excited and I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be amazing, you know, and it didn't happen. But I, as the movies, um, with the exception of Spider-Man 2, which I think is incredible, and then later into the Spider-Verse, um, I've always I've always sort of gone back and forth on how I feel about Spider-Man movies. I, I didn't really love the first Spider, the Sam Raimi one. I've, I've come to appreciate it over the years. Um, but so Spider-Man is a character. Yes. And I've always, and I've always thought he has really great villains, uh, a really great rogues gallery. Is that what we call it? Mm-hmm. Is, is rogues gallery only for Batman or is that any, any heroes villains? That, I mean, that applies to yeah villains in general. For, Just villain. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and so I was, uh, and I, you know, I rewatched uh, the. I've, I, I really enjoyed the Holland ones. Um, I understand. I, I get what um, he was just saying about, you know, the thing about the MCU Spider-Man movies is that they, they are very much just that, you know, MCU Spider-Man movies and stuff. I haven't minded that, but I understand the criticism of like how much does Tom Holland's Peter Parker really get to be the star of his own movies. I, I, I get that criticism. Um, as far as this one's concerned, I gotta say, like, I know I am sure part of it is maybe a big part of it has been, you know, going through the pandemic and with, um, you know, people being cautious about going to movies, going to theaters again. But I think Aaron, I think I said to you, you know, years ago that I, I really thought that, Endgame, when, when we saw Endgame and how much money it made and how much of a phenomenon it was, I was like, well, I guess that's the last time we're, you know, who knows when the next time we're going to see something that is just like this cultural zeitgeist-like thing. I mean, I, I didn't, I would not have thought that Spider-Man No Way Home would be $253 million domestic and it's like 580 or 560 or something world. I just would, I would not have thought of that. Um, but I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, the only thing I want to say before we let someone else talk is that um, I've been talking to other friends who've had, you know, some criticisms and I, and there's absolutely tons of stuff that we can go and nitpick in. But I, I really think that I saw it at the screening and then I saw it again Friday night at my local AMC with my girlfriend at like 10 o'clock show and crowd was into it and i had such a good time and i really do think there is something to like when you think of a it's more of a music thing but you think of like um the notion of like a rock band and it's like you go to a live show and the live show sometimes they veer off it's not exactly like the song but the experience of being at 
that venue with everybody that's really into this band is very memorable. Um, that's what I really loved about Endgame. You know, the moment like uh, Captain America gets you know, Force Hammer or something. There, there, there's that collective feeling. And this movie has a lot of that. Um, and we can get into what works and doesn't work. But I, I really think that some, some of my friends that I think are really smart about movies and stuff, I do think critically, I do think we might be, what is it, missing the forest for the trees here with when you're talking about the experience of seeing this in the theater, especially during this pandemic with so many people and these moments and everyone's so into it, I really think you can't minimize how big of a deal that is. And like, you can say, well, if I watch it at home, it's not the same. I'm like, yeah, okay, but that's not, that's not what we're talking here. So I do. Well, isn't it though? I mean, are you talking about the movie or are you talking about the experience of seeing the movie? But I mean, but I think that, well, the, but, but the movie, especially a big MCU movie, it is made for a theater audience. This is not the lost daughter. I mean, I, I, I love tons of movies. I don't think you need to see nightmare alley in a theater or something, but I do think I do. there's, sure. I think it's, I mean, I wouldn't mind. It, it looks great on the big screen. I mean, not, but I mean, I just, I do. I, I think we're, I think we sometimes as like people who love film so much, I do think we're a little, maybe we're a little making, having a disconnect of like, but there, there is something of value to like what we think of as like, um, not sh- what's the word, not show business, but like, you know, that, that, that quality of like, making a movie that you know is going to play in front of a huge crowd and be like, when that moment happens, the people, the house is going to bring the house down. I think that's a, I think that is a valid thing for why something is great. I think it's a, I don't want to veer too, well, no, we should, but I don't want to veer too off without letting Joey and myself get some general thoughts in there. But I, what you're bringing up is not, not, not uninteresting, but in terms of, you know, through, through the history of you watching this movie, the more times you watch it are going to be by far the more times you watch it are going to be at home in the comfort of your living room as opposed to That's in the true. theater right That's true. i mean yeah, so are you, would you are you years later when you're watching spider-man no way home are you still judging it on the value of that one time you saw it in a theater with people or are you judging it on the movie you're actually watching in front of you well but i think that i i but I, but remember i will also have that experience i i still think of seeing you know um I mean, I don't want to get into a Star Wars thing here, but I do. I still think of seeing the Phantom Menace many times in the theater, and I can have my judgment about the the film's merits, but I still have that memory of like, oh my god, I was so excited, I stayed up all night to see. I I, I don't know. I feel like that, especially as fans of MCU or Star Wars or whatever. I think that that's it's still there. I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, I I, I cannot see. I cannot see me seeing this movie in a month or, or, or a couple months or whatever and being like, oh, this movie's terrible. It was it only works with a crowd. Now, maybe it, it has a bump, an audience bump. That might be true. But I don't know if it would be. I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'll dig back um, into that because that's not yeah. a that's not a topic not worth discussing. I, I do. I hear what you're saying, and I do want to address that to some degree as well. But first, let's go to Joey. Joey, I, 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 do, I am curious. Where, where, where are you with, coming from with Spider-Man? Well, so I I have a weird not a weird thing, but I didn't really grow up with comics. I grew up with some DC comics that my dad would read to me, like Crisis on Infinite Earths and Death and Return of Superman. Those are the two things that I really kind of came from. Like we never he was never into Marvel. I always thought of Marvel sort of as like second rate because for a while, like the movies kind of were second rate and I just never had them in my house. So I never really knew anything about it. So 
my history with all of these movies and all of these stories is that I, I kind of come in with no preconceived notions. And to me, that means that I'm probably never going to love a good movie as much as someone who like, oh, this nailed the comic book that I was that I read as a child. Like, this is exactly the story I wanted. Like, I will never have that high of like a great adaptation. But it also generally means that I'm not going to be as disappointed as some of my friends who are like, oh, that's not how it was in the books. I'm like, well, I don't have that. So I kind of come in as more of a blank slate, which generally works out, I think, pretty good. Uh, My big takeaway from this is exactly what Peter was just saying, though, that like. You know, I've seen a whole bunch of movies in theaters. I'm still I'm very wary of COVID. I'm triple vaxxed. I have the booster. But one of the reasons I've been like, okay, going back to theaters is because the theaters have not been that crowded. And there's lots of movies where I'm like, you know, when I saw Nightmare Alley, I was one of five people in the theater. Right. And like it just because it was a weird time and whatever. But like I feel safer there. So I knew going to see Spider-Man, I'm like, this is sold out. Like, I know this is going to be the, by far the most crowded. Like, even when I saw Widow on opening night, like, I, it wasn't really that crowded. But I knew this was going to be a thing. But just like Peter was saying, I wanted to go see it because I want to see everything as, as soon as I can. But because the best movie experiences of my life are always going to be in theaters around people who care about the thing. And this was one of the best experiences of my life. It was on par with Endgame. Like, there were probably 10 lines in this movie that I did not hear because the crowd was going nuts. And that's amazing. And, like, I have not seen Endgame again at home. Like, I own the Blu-ray or whatever. But I have not seen it again since I saw it in theaters because I don't – like, I'm I'm sort of wary about, you know, I'm not able to recreate the experience. And, like, that's kind of a bummer, but I will see it again one day. But, like – this was special. Like, I really like this movie on its own as it is, but like being literally sitting next to two dudes in full body Spider-Man suits, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, if this was on Disney Plus, I still want to see it in the theaters. It's like, I want to be around the people who care about it more than I do. And it worked. Like, it was great. And I had a blast. And so I don't think, you know, everything that Peter was saying, I was just like, not in my head because I think that's exactly the right way. To, it's just, the movie's good, but the movie's better when you're around people who really care about it. And that experience is just it's transcendent. It's, it's amazing. I um, Before I go, I will say, after I get through my general thoughts, um, we should feel free to delve into the movie on a whole level as opposed to dancing around certain things that take place because there are a number of quote-unquote surprises that you know occur throughout the film or whatnot, and I think it would be better for us as a you know review podcast to actually address those things rather than stymie them and vagaries and what have you. So... Uh, after I finish with my uh, general thoughts, we feel free to dig further into uh, what's happening in this movie. Uh, I will say I like this movie quite a bit. It's entertaining. I will back up by saying there is no bad Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. I have yet to see one of those. Um, I, I, I like all of them for different reasons, some more than others. Uh, but generally, I enjoy Spider-Man films. Um, this one is easily the best of the Holland films for me, uh, for reasons that you guys have already dug into as far as what we're doing with him as a character and his positioning in this series. I do think he, despite having so much around him in this film, he is still the center for a change, which is nice. Uh, the The amount of stuff they put Peter Parker through in this movie is certainly significant, and I think Holland really brings his A-game as far as trying to make that register to an audience. Um, the stuff they do with this story... For the, I mean, I enjoy it. Like it's 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 designed to be enjoyable. And I think we're talking about that a lot so far. The fact that it's it's made in a way to be appreciated for the different things that it's throwing at you, and I can accept that. 
that doesn't throw me off as far as like not wanting to have fun. I'm not crossing my arms at the Spider-Man film, but I, and I don't see it as lesser than for having very crowd pleasing moments. It's meant to be crowd pleasing and it'll probably still be crowd pleasing to some degrees when you don't watch it with an audience. I think it has that kind of magic that you get from a movie like this that wants to pay various levels of homage to the entirety of the Spider-Man cinematic universe. Um, I will say uh, outside of these these crowd pleasing moments as a film I there's just something there that just seems to it seems less interesting to me than what we got with, with well the Raimi films for sure and even Webb to some degree as far as a real directorial voice in here I I just as but again I like this movie but it does feel like John Watts could might as well as be an anonymous name in the scheme of things here. Like I, he, he, what he nails is character chemistry. Like whatever he's doing with these actors, like that's working, but that's an MCU staple to begin with. I can't remember an MCU film where the chemistry was bad. Uh, so it, it's this kind of thing where you have a whole multiverse to open up and I get what choices are being made and what those things represent at the same time. It just feels like there's more interesting stuff you could be doing in a movie like this, that it just doesn't do much with outside of like a Doctor Strange battle, which is really entertaining because Doctor Strange stuff is really fun. Uh, I've I've seen depictions of a multiverse play really effectively. There's a whole movie about that called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse where I've seen that happen. And I'm not saying this movie needs to be like edgy and ambitious and weird in that kind of way, but I there's if you're go, if you're only going to have so much to do with a multiverse and only so many things you can throw in there. I've I've still seen Spider-Man films that feel bigger and different in scope. Like I mean, we talk, we talk about Spider-Man two plenty, but Raimi's film feels like a masterpiece to me because it has stakes that always feel present to me. It has a real feel to it. It's not basically an animated movie that happens to have live, live action characters into it. This shouldn't be me just entirely coming down to No Way Home because again, it's really entertaining. Like and the, the actors are doing their job. I think Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina coming back in particular are doing great work because they're just great actors. Uh, there are some emotional beats that hit the way that they're intended to that I think really work. So it's like there's a lot here that I certainly enjoy. I just do feel like the MCU-ness of it all feels like it limits the potential of a movie like No Way Home that wants to have so many big things going on and yet still feels a little bit strapped down by the parameters of this sort of franchise. Don't you think that to a degree, I think... I, I think you so the the thing that you just talked about here about John Watts's uh, sort of um, forgettable direction or, or direction that did not stand out to you, like someone like Sam Raimi. But don't you think that that is that's sort of what I'm was sort of getting at earlier when I'm talking about we as film fans, because I think as a film, p people who love love movies and stuff. We do have a – I would assume it's the same in music if you think of like – if you love music, you think of singer-songwriters. A singer-songwriter is very important to people like that. I don't, and, and so it, with movies, for I mean, whatever – If you're, you're going to try to tell me to dumb down, quote-unquote, my opinion. No, 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 like... no, no, no. On the opposite. I'm not going to say to dumb down. I'm saying is it that most of us here – or actually I guess all of us, we have grown up in a, in, in a medium of film – where film is considered a director's medium, but it wasn't always a director's medium. It, you know, it was a producer's medium and many times is an actor's medium and stuff. So I guess my question to you is there are many movies. I'm sure you can mention more than I can think of right now 
that you love probably in the history of Hollywood that are not necessarily director centric. They might be just great in these other ways. So I guess my question is when we're talking about the MCU, because this is a big thing that keeps coming up with the MCU is even if you get a great director like Ryan Coogler, how much of Ryan Coogler's stamp is on the movie? I mean, actually, I, I do think there is a quite a bit, but I think you get what I'm saying. Like how in, I guess I'm wondering how important is that for the movie in general versus how important it is for you or for me who comes to a movie and I'm looking at the movie going, oh, I'm hoping I see a person's point of view. I don't I guess I'm not sure if that's the way these movies are made. It's not about a point of it's not about a point of view for me in, in this case. Like it's, you know, especially within the MCU to begin with. I mean, there are other movies within the MCU that don't necessarily have a a tourist stamp on them that I just generally like more uh, than than this one. Um, doesn't make this bad necessarily, but I do think if, if I'm trying to parse out the things that make this lesser than, that's what I have to that's what I have to go on. Like what choices Would you say are being made? Like Winter, like Winter Soldier. Like I don't know if I if I'd say that I know the Russo brothers point of view but i think it's a terrific movie like that regardless of yeah if i if regardless of like I, I can identify exactly what it is i would say like the russo brothers i would argue are winter soldiers their best attempt at this because it feels like that's the most distinct of their four mcu films that they've made it feels the most like they're attempting something very specific where i think civil war infinity war and endgame certainly good and entertaining and have lots going for it but i do think they they blend more in if you're going to look at it from like a director standpoint or from a filmmaking standpoint. I guess I just couldn't tell you, and I love community and everything beyond a few, beyond the color palette and a few things. I don't know if I could say, I mean, you know, the generic version would be like, we can obviously tell you what, like, a, what is a John Carpenter movie? What's a Michael Bay movie? What's a Zack Snyder? I don't know if I could tell you what a Russo, maybe, maybe that's just me, though. Maybe you could. And you'd say, well, Pete, Russo movies are, the themes are usually this or whatever. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a whole different discussion. It's not one where I'm, like, prepared to figure out, like, to find those <laughs> identifying marks. But I, I do, like, if I, when I saw Civil War, it's like, okay, there's, some, there's something here that seems different than what the feel was of Winter Soldier. But that's either here or there. That's a different conversation. But I, I want, I encourage so you're not saying, it, you're saying it's, it, okay, so you're not saying it's not necessarily that John Watts, the director, you're not saying that the shortcomings of the movie or why the movie's not as memorable for you. You're not saying it's because you're not, like, it's not like Sam Raimi. Are you saying that that it's not that that's lacking? Is that what it is? It's it's not it's it's there's it's weird to describe because it's like it's you know it's not tangible. It's like there's there's a because this applies to all the Holland films. It's why I'm lesser not lesser I don't dislike them, but I'm lesser on them that like on Homecoming and Far From Home than others. It's because I just it it feels like it's less I don't know personal. Uh, it, it feels like a project that's a part of a greater thing as opposed to yeah, it's a, part of the MCU machine. That's true. It yeah. is. It is. I would agree. Yes. Which is why these movies like, you know, I don't remember who was saying before, but they were saying financially about Endgame. Like, I guess this is going to be the last big one. Like, I've been waiting for the setup to the next thing because like Endgame was a masterpiece in my mind of like building toward a thing and executing in a way that like we've never really seen before. Uh-huh. And I, I was like, I don't know where they go from here. And where they go from here is, I guess, to the multiverse, maybe, but like every movie now, and this is not news, every movie now has to reference what came before and tell a story and set up what comes next. And I don't know that we're ever going to get a movie that is as good or as original or as fresh as like, I still think the high watermark in the entire MCU is the first Avengers. Like, that's still my favorite of all of them. And I think the first Iron Man is probably my second favorite. Like, 
I think that the movies are better, but I think that what those did and what they were able to do because they were not required to do other things were more successful. That makes sense. Like, of course, we know that this movie has to set up another thing and also the Doctor Strange movie that's coming out in May and also reference the other things and do all this. Like, that's just what these are now. And so, like, I don't think we're ever going to be, like, really, truly, fully surprised in an MCU movie, but I also don't know that's a bad thing. Like, I also don't know, to the conversation you guys were just having, I don't know that you need a John Watts or a Russo Brothers or anybody. Like, I think anybody who's able – who has, like, a little bit of talent and who's able to play by these studio rules, like – they're not really making the movie on their own. They're making the movie that MCU and that Marvel and Kevin Feige want them to make, right? And I guess the question there is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I, I'm not trying to make it too black and white because I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing to have a film that's a part of a successful movie franchise continue to be entertaining for people. I think it's a really good thing to make consistently B, B-plus movies. And that's, I don't say that's a negative. I agree. That's true. The fact that it's cons- I, that it's consistently works in spite never, of itself, I can agree there. <laughs> we'll never get a movie that blows me away the way that like the first Avengers did, but we're never going to get a movie that's like Thor 2. It's like, that's not going to happen anymore. Like, you go to these movies now, and even like bad ones are like, yeah, still pretty good. And bad ones, like, real and heavy, heavy, heavy in quotes. Like, they're all like good. It's just, that's what they are. And that's not exciting, but it is what it is. And like, they're all going to make $500 million or a billion dollars or $2 billion or whatever. And that the machine's going to keep rolling because until people are like, I am done with superhero movies, which right. I don't think we're ever going to get to. Like, people keep saying that. I don't think we're ever going to get there. Uh, people can just stop seeing them, and there's going to be billions of you know whatever. They're going to be good. It's going to be good. It's not exciting, but it's going to be good. Brad, you want to weigh in here as far as uh, us talking about the kind of the the how directorial aspects are affecting a what seems to be a very producer-driven series? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, it's it's the complaint that like is spans the entire MCU, and that there's not much room for any like significant stylization or like an auteur lens, and that's you know some of that comes from the color palette, some of it comes from the the action being uh, you know, largely determined outside of the, you know, director's vision, you know, essentially like they're, they're prevising the action sequences in these movies sometimes before there, there is a filmmaker on board and sure the director gives a seal of approval of sorts, but you know, that's, um, it's, it's a Marvel Studios machine, like you guys said. And so like, if there's a larger complaint to be had here, it's just that I, you know, I wish that Marvel would be a little bit more, uh, bold in their stylistic approach to these movies. And I think that there has been, a, you know, a little bit of progress here and there in I some agree. regards. I, I think that Shang-Chi uh, showed some, a little bit of diversification in visual style. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we get some of that with Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, I think even the first Doctor Strange, you know, did some pretty trippy, interesting things with the visuals, uh, simply because of just how you have to represent the mystical arts in that movie. Um, but here, Brad, I'm hoping... Sorry, here's the thing, like, Eternals very much is that, and it's yeah. basically rejected by the audience. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Eternals is, yeah, definitely another one where, you know, the, the visuals stood out a lot more, and, you know, I, I think for, with Eternals, you... You have the problem you have is like sure the visual visually it looks great but you also then you run into the problem of balancing you know, a filmmaker who is very good at creating you know an epic scale and drama but has a hard time balancing it with some of the other traditions of the MCU like the comedy and the superheroics of it all so it's a, it's a difficult line to to walk when you bring in a filmmaker like that which is probably why we you know we've seen so much of you know the what is the Marvel machine um, but I, I do I think that maybe now that they have established what they can do and how good they can do it with the infinity saga and that cap that is Avengers Endgame. I, I hope that they start to get a little bit more bold in what they seek out and the stories that they tell and how they present them. 
Well stated. I want to not keep bumming us out by trying to focus on things that I was not a fan of and focus on some things that really did work in this movie. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about some of these performances. Obviously, you have Tom Holland. I don't think any of us disagree that he's. I think we all agree that he's, you know, pretty good in this movie. Any other like standout performance work going on in this film? Are we digging into spoilers now? Yes, we can <laughs> dig it. Yes, we can dig into spoilers now. Okay. Well, so first of all, Willem Dafoe absolutely brings it 110 percent in this movie. Uh, you know, it's it's been 20 years since he's uh, he did this and. Man, that that laugh, those maniacal facial expressions, he is just giving all in this performance. And I love uh, that he he actually wanted to, to do it and didn't just just phone it in. When, uh, when, he's, unlike... when, when he's taking those punches from Spider-Man and just, yeah, that maniacal grin he had uh, on his face, yeah, that's, that's good yeah. stuff. That's just, and he's the, a bastard. <laughs> and his, his, his the way his face changes when he goes from, you know, innocent, lost Norman Osborn to you know crazy green goblin it's it's so, so good i just I, I i could watch that happen endlessly and just be mystified by how how incredible of an actor he is um as far as the two uh other spider-men are concerned um what <laughs> uh i think andrew garfield is the mvp here um yeah, he is yeah. he's so clearly sure. loving being back as spider-man i think that this is definitely it's not just redemptive for him and his character but it's redemptive for him because of the solid experience he had making these movies. Um, at, because he, he's, you know, publicly talked about how it kind of just really kind of kicked him, you know, and like made him re- like think that he was silly for having a dream of you know, doing a Spider-Man movie and doing it in a way that would satisfy him on an artistic level because of just how many people there are that have to sign off on these movies. I think this really redeems both him as an actor and the character and what he gets to do here. And he, he gives um, such an emotional performance. Like, man, there's, he's just full and swelling with just so much heart and, and charisma. Uh, and I love seeing him, him back as Spider-Man, even though I didn't really like the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And I think that that speaks to just, you know, uh, one of the many reasons as to why this movie is such a miraculous feat as far as um, bringing all these characters together and doing something significant with them. And I will say I've seen some people criticize Tobey Maguire for phoning it in and seeming like he's not really into what disagree. he's doing. Yeah. Just, yeah, I hard disagree. Cause if anything, I think that what we're seeing here is an intentionally subdued performance because this is a Spider-Man who he's weathered. He's, oh, yeah. He's weathered. <laughs> he's older. He's mature. Like it's, you know, he, he's been doing it for 20 years by the time he comes here. And so he's not the same, you know, uh, geeky, up, uh, upbeat, energetic, uh, goofy Peter Parker that we saw in Sam Raimi's trilogy. He's he's lived a life, you know. He's he's got some time under his belt, and so I think that that performance is uh, in, intentionally uh, subdued. And I I think that you see him like start to light up and kind of fall back into that feeling when he is with Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield and like the banter that they have together. Uh, and when they're, you know, being Spider-Man together, I, I think that it's um, I don't think there's any phoning in there on Tobey Maguire's part whatsoever. There's a bit where Alfred Merlina, who I think is also pretty tremendous in this movie, um, he sees Tobey Maguire, he sees Tobey Maguire and, he, and he, you know, he dresses him, he's like, Peter, you're all grown up. That got me like yeah. the, that, bit yeah, of, like that little bit of shared history right there and the way the film presents it, like where you see like you know who Otto used to be and at that point in the movie he's back to being that kind of Otto again like just seeing that like little glimpse 
of like this warm chemistry that they shared in Spider-Man 2. I that I really fell for that. I thought that was good stuff. And I agree with you, Brad, about what Tobey Wire is doing because I do think it's very del- it's, it's not like they watch the daily. It's like I guess he's not trying. They know what they're doing with this movie. <laughs> like he's, yeah. yeah. But I I completely agree as far as Garfield's concerned because of the younger actors within this movie he is easily the best actor of all of them. And just watching him in a room with Zendaya and Jacob Adelot, like he's just acting circles around them in those scenes. It just, and it seems very clear to me uh, that he just relishes his opportunity to do this once again. Me being a person that appreciates Amazing Spider-Man 2 specifically a lot more than most people. I'm just thinking, good, good for him that he gets to do this again because he's very good at it. It's not just big moments either. Like there's even just little things that I just love that he did. Uh, like when when Tom Holland is kind of giving them all identifying marks, he's like, "All right, Spider Man one, Spider Man two, and the way he just goes, Spider Man three. three." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Don't throw bread at me. Easy, I think it's easy to forget kind of how much of a bum rap he got because so there's another show on our network, High School Summer Party, who's they've spent all month going through all the Spider Man movies because they're all mostly take place in high school. So he's been covering all these different movies, talk about them, and when they talked about the Amazing Spider Man movies, it's just. You know, Andrew Garfield, of all three Spider-Men in this movie, has made my favorite movie that any of them ever been in, and that's Under the Silver Lake. Like, I love that more than anything else that any of these three guys have ever done. It's Tom Holland maybe one day, but as of right now, Andrew Garfield is has been my favorite movie any of them have ever done. And it just – your heart breaks for Andrew Garfield, I think, because like, like you guys said, you know, he had this vision for doing this for a while. And like it's not really his fault that like fans were kind of anx- anxious and like see the MCU machine rolling and they want to get like Spider-Man into that. And like it's hard to in- incorporate like an existing thing or whoever. So like to get to see him do the thing and the, the moment where he catches Zendaya as she's falling and like the redemption oh, and like – Everything in this is just like he not only is it like a redemption for those movies and for his character, but also just like for him as an actor, like he's been doing movies like Tick, Tick, Boom is big now. And like, you know, he's done other things in a way that like Tom Holland's kind of just like hiding in a room somewhere because like he can't open his mouth without like spilling secrets that like he shouldn't be spilling. But like. It's just nice to see him. I, I even guarantee if we never the, see him again. The entire Uncharted cast already knows what happens in Spider-Man. <laughs> exactly. And like, you know, the one thing that I sort of wish they didn't, and I well, I guess we'll talk about this too, but like, it feels like at the end, they kind of really slam the book shut on the multiverse. And I don't know that we'll get again, Toby or Andrew Garfield or any of their villains back into these movies. Cause it feels like when they undo the thing, they're gone. And I understand that, but it's also like, I kind of, I kind of wish that you could bring them back a little bit. Cause like, I don't know that I want it, but like, it seems like he had a blast doing it. He was perfect. You guys, like the lines he was saying, it's just great. Like, I want the possibility if he wants to do more. Maybe this is maybe this satisfies him. I don't know. But I loved him in this. He was my favorite part of this movie. And even though those are my least favorite of the all three Spider-Man movies, I think he's great. And I think he was great in this movie. Yeah, I mean, of the, of the things going on with Garfield, I mean, I don't think anyone ever derided him specifically about these films. I think people generally accepted like his performance, even in spite of the things that they didn't like about the movies he was associated with. Um, I will say as far, I mean, this is speculative, but... I, I, it's hard for me to say this is it when it comes to these people appearing in these movies. Like, if there's a will, there's a way, as far as the MCU is concerned, to relive these beats or bring people back into... Especially, I mean, this, and, you, and you already mentioned, like, this whole this phase and beyond is, seems to be opening up the multiverse for the most part to begin with, and if you want to find a way to make something that's as epic as Endgame, far, far be it for me to not think that they'll just incorporate a whole bunch of characters from different multiverses to make that... to, to, to replicate that kind of feeling again. If you can't get, you know, 
Downey Jr. back and do something crazy. You're like, yeah, get, let's get X-Men and Spider-Man and Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider for some reason all together in one movie. Like, that's... Yes, that's, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> I feel like that's the that would be the way to do something of that kind of scale if you want to outdo what you've done before. But Peter, I I'm agree. I, it's so, you know, it's funny. I did think that the second time I saw it, that I was like, wait, are we going to... Are we heading into a realm where like you just said, you know, X-Men or all these other properties where we might look, we might look back on no way home and be like, Oh, that was such a good version of this. And then now these other ones aren't as good. Who knows? I don't know. But like, cause right now it, it just seemed to work. So in well. terms of the multiverse thing or in terms of what, not the multiverse in terms of the bringing actors from like Hugh Jackman, bringing Hugh Jackman. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Like that it worked so well here and it was such a surprise, even though we knew for the past year, we were all pretty confident that was going to happen. It was still such a joy to see. But if they start doing this a lot, there's going to be a point where we'll be like, oh, yeah, that's just what they do now. Like, well, yeah. So my friend who's yeah. a big bat, I know, I know it's a different universe, but my friend who is a big Batman fan. Oh, right. Michael said Keaton. that like it kind of undercuts Michael Keaton returning. I'm like, well, not only if you like think no, about I'm, it like that, if you're just like I mean, excited about it, like just be excited about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it's easy to compare because this is the first big one ostensibly that like did this and it's a really it's done really well but like if you're excited about Michael Keaton coming back or if you want to have like a movie with like five different jokers in it like just get excited about whatever like just don't overthink things I think well that goes down to execution yeah. for movies right I mean like yeah, there's sure. there's plenty of movies blockbuster films that you know don't have quote unquote surprises in them in terms of like character from the past returning but just have natural plot development or whatnot that is you know, cheer inspiring because the movie's effective enough to make that, to pull that off without having to make those kind of moves. That doesn't mean those moves are bad either, but I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways to be excited for something without being like, Oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Like there's, there's there are, there are ways to incorporate that kind of feeling. And I don't think that that necessarily undercuts like the uh, bringing back Michael Keaton as Batman, because like the, I mean, all comic books, uh, especially when it comes to superheroes have, you know, the the idea of like bringing back older versions of characters and multiple versions of characters and so like you can't really say oh they're you know they're doing this because spider-man did it and it works so well it's like i mean this idea has been around for a long time they're just finally bringing it to the big screen because audiences can finally grapple with the idea of multiple versions of the same character and understand what's happening because comic book culture isn't niche anymore it's not this thing where like you really need to understand the nitty-gritty of comics to get a grasp on what's going on mm. even even with even with marvel the marvel cinematic universe being so interconnected and involved from one movie to the next uh you know i think that even casual audience members can still find something to enjoy about this movie without necessarily understanding the um the inner workings of the multiverse or anything like that um it's 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 made simple enough that people can enjoy it and just have a good time with it and uh i think that the 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 larger thing, though, is that I don't think that you can do this quite as successfully with any other Marvel characters, again, because you don't have the passion for seeing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield with Tom Holland as you um, as you would for seeing the original iteration of the Fantastic Four from the early 2000s with the, um, the more recent Fantastic Four reboot and meeting whatever the new MCU version is going to be. And X-Men... They already did that with X-Men First Class and yeah, the, the original X-Men cast. Yeah, so like I, I feel like the the excitement of seeing all of them together maybe wouldn't be all that great because they already kind of did that storyline before. So I think this is probably the best iteration of this kind of story that, that we'll, we'll get for now. 
I think that, yeah, I agree. I, I think that I'm, I am looking forward to seeing Michael Keaton. I, I'm, I'm very excited to see um, the Flash uh, movie. But yes, sad to say that in a, in a, you know, in, in our, in an, in an actual real life multiverse, you know, it would have been cool if we somehow had a Superman movie where Christopher Reeve showed up. That would be amazing. You know, obviously you can't, but I mean, like, yeah, like, do I care about a, a, a Christian Bale version of Batman or a Val Kilmer or eh, not really? Like, it's not it's not the same, you know, um, well, but I, I think these movies, these universes don't necessarily lend themselves to these things either, given the tones true. of those movies. It'd be weird. It'd frankly just be weird to be like Keaton and Bale show up in the same movie as Batman It's like, well, that's. That's a choice. Yeah, Adam West in there too, baby. Yeah, yeah, and, and, George, and George Clooney <laughs> and George... buys all dinner with his Batman credit card. Yeah, it just like there's such a disparity within those films. Or at least Spider-Man, I, I agree with Brad. There's you know there's something that you know beyond the iconicism. There's just something about that character specifically that really works to that lends itself to having something like this happen. That said, if they brought John Bernthal, Ray Stevenson, Thomas Jane, and Dolph Lundgren together for a Punisher friend, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Well, so that, that <laughs> brings up another point that I want to say that, like, the other kind of cool thing they could do, which they do in this, and I don't know why they spoiled it in the news, like, the two days before the movie comes out, but Daredevil's back. Like, he's in the movie. He's got a great scene in the movie. So, like, bring those Netflix people. Like, bring Jessica Jones back. Bring the bring that Burnthal Punisher back, right? Like, you can do that, and that would be the moment. Because that was a huge moment in the crowd. I don't know why they spoiled the news on Tuesday that he's going to be back again. But, like, just let that be the moment. Like, that was cool. Like, I think the way that we do it now. <laughs> it's weird. Of having... You're saying that, and I saw it on Monday. So, I guess I'm like, did I miss this news? Like, I don't know what's going on. Right, know. no, but like, they, why, why spoil it at all? Just like, let that be another surprise to have, like, no, oh, I agree. shit, because that was also rumored, right? You know what I mean? But yeah. I think the other thing, the way that you do it now, instead of having, like, four Superman or three Batman or whatever, is to combine the pieces. Like, you have such, you have all these properties and all these different things, and it feels like they're all under Marvel Disney control now. Just bring them in the way they brought Charlie Cox back in that one scene. Like, give the fans, like, like those kind of surprises. We might not ever have a movie that does, like, the three Spider-Man thing as well as this one does, but, like, you can combine pieces and be like, oh, yeah, like, let's just take that isn't being used and bring that here and like blow people's minds, which right? Is, just the is recognition ar- is the cool thing. Which is arguably what the Holland movies have been doing just to a greater degree by having mentor figures for Peter, as opposed to just random right. cameos from people that are happen to be in the neighborhood. Right. And this, this film, I mean, it does, I, I like that it relies on something like that, no, not relies, but it, it incorporates something like that. It's like, we need a lawyer. Who does a lawyer? Matt Murdock's a lawyer. All right. Have him for a scene. Like that's, I agree with you that that's a, a fun thing to bring in there. At the same time, to segue a little bit, uh, we talk about Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch being in this movie. Any uh, any thoughts on his, good. on on him his presence here? I thought he was good. I thought I thought what was what was interesting was that kind of following to what you're saying, I wasn't quite sure because of the antagonistic relationship that Tony and Stephen have, and they're older than you know Peter. When I saw the trailer for this, I was like, wait, is he basically his new Tony, is he his new father figure? Is that what they're going to do? Like, um, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if they were going to go down that route. And they don't really. He's more just like a stuffy college professor. They're war buddies. I, that's what they are. Yeah, they're war buddies. <laughs> they're right. all war buddies. I thought, I, thought, I thought Cumberbunch was, uh, it's good, you know, the Scooby-Doo, the Scooby-Doo, the shit line's pretty fun. And he seemed, he seemed game, you know. Uh, I like, I liked, I like the cape, uh, his, his cape getting him. Um, but, but yes, I, wasn't sure what the dynamic was gonna be with peter and 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 the adult but 
it, it didn't turn out what I thought it was going to be, which I thought was good. Any other thoughts on Doctor Strange in this movie? He's kind of sidelined for a while, isn't he? Was he shooting something else, or is it just like let's use him sparingly and like like we were saying before, well, let first, Peter be the focus of this? He's the first act of the movie, essentially. Yeah, that makes right. sense. He's the setup, you know. He's the setup, like, and also the Deus Ex Machina, right? Like, how do we undo this? Oh, he can do the spell again, right? Oh, so. true. That's true. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. He's the end. Yes, I'm not going to entirely say contrive, but there is a, you know, a, we need him now, so they're where we have him. Now we don't need him, we don't need him, then we have him, we need him again, so we have him again. Like, it feels he, he enters in because the plot requires him to, which is, you know, necessary. I will I will say that, as, as long as we're bringing up the thing at the end with Doctor Strange, I will say that it doesn't bother me while I'm still in my No Way Home glow right now, what I was talking about before, about seeing with the crowd. I am wondering, upon repeat viewings... I, I really don't like being a person who's too um, like a plot hole person. I don't like doing that. It happens to all of us, you know, whatever. But it is true when I have been thinking of this movie and I've looked at articles and stuff. There are a lot of things that like Strange's spell. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here that you're like, well, what does that mean? Why did this ha-? like why does Shocker know Shocker never like he Joe. never I watched that movie he doesn't know who peter parker is why is he brought in the, the universe yeah <laughs> yeah there's a lot of stuff like that but you know but you know the writers know you know they know they're not dumb so i don't know maybe they they cut that line out or something i don't know you know i mean there's there's no answer i can give you because it doesn't make any sense to me and it did stick out in my <laughs> mind given that again i like that movie and i'm well aware of what happens in it so it's like all right that's a choice I also, <laughs> while we're on this topic, I also like that it's funny that, like, in all the universes where people know Spider-Man and Peter Parker, they're all coming to this universe, and it's like, okay, so there's just the two others? Like, there's there's nobody else from any of the other universes? Like, it's just, okay, these sure. two villains from that one guy's movie, and he's also here, and these two from that guy's movie, he's also here, and that's the end of it. It's not like, oh, look at this crazy-ass shit. Like, it's just like, there's this other guy from this other movie that we never saw. It's just like, okay, it's Which, just the two Spider-Man we know. And they're two villains, and that's it. So yeah, and okay. yeah, it's true. I that's, mean, that's and that that that's the kind of thing where like I logistically I understand as far as like we can only hire so many actors and we have 150 minutes. Oh, I, yeah. like, I'm, I, I'm I, not I, actually I, criticizing. No, it's also like well, I mean, in I, all but the I, universes, it's just but, these three. But I but I am to a point because I mean that is the choice that they're making. Therefore, it's opening me up to asking these questions as far as why does it feel as limited as it does, and that extends to the movie as a whole. I mean they're. I get that they shot during COVID. There's only so much you can do, but this feels like a pretty claustrophobic movie for a film about Spider-Man in New York. I mean, there's like four sets in this thing. There's Happy's apartment, a bridge, the Statue of Liberty, and like what? What the school roof? Like they don't really go anywhere in a movie well, about Spider-Man. Especially, especially compared to, and again, as I said before, I've only seen it once. Especially compared to in... other every other Spider-Man movie, Peter. I mean... oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean just the. I didn't just mean the the COVID shooting thing. But what you were talking about, about the the different that it looks like there's only two or two other Spider-Man universes. I mean, in into the Spider-Verse, obviously, like that, that movie felt like at any at any, literally every five minutes, something else can happen. That's crazy. And it's another Spider-Man like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that's I think that's kind of covered by the fact that like Strange realized what was happening and was able to stop, you know, anything else from coming in, you know after those characters had already got into that universe.
Yeah, you, know, and you so, just have to go along with it. You have to bite yeah, that. The right, only people right. that got through are the ones that you happen to already know from other movies. <laughs> like, I, I I get it. I get what the movie's doing. But it, I, I see. I, I know what it's doing. It's, it's just, it would have been great if there was just some totally random villain that no one had seen before played by someone very famous. And like, who the hell is this? Yeah, exactly. Like, but that yeah. would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been fun. That's, that's yeah. fun. Like, it, it's, I don't know. It's fucking... <laughs> Terry Crews as Tombstone comes in. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, so as long as we're discussing, you know, spoilers and stuff like so I I thought I complete I thought I understood how the end spell works. How magic works. (laughs) Right. Well, right. To a degree. I don't understand why Peter needs to take his GED. My understanding was you forget who Peter Parker is. You don't forget who Spider-Man is. So Spider-Man did everything, which is, and, but you which don't remember. It opens up another can of worms as far as who did people think they were fighting with in space? Is it just like some random guy in a mask? Like, all right, but whatever. Well, no, 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 no. That's no, no. I think I have the answer to that. Okay. I think the answer to that is it's only from that point on. So, cause remember, as we saw very early, strange is like, look, I don't have the time stone. So none of this is a time travel thing. No, no, no. Nobody knows who he is. Happy doesn't right, know who right, he is. But, <laughs> like, right. but if you had if you had gone back in the past, like uh, my girlfriend's question was because she loves Tony and Peter's relationship. She's like, wait, so that means Tony never knew Peter? She's like, I'm like, no, he totally did, and then he died. So that whole relationship has nothing to do with the spell. That doesn't change it, right? It's just That's people right. who exist on Earth and in the universe currently. Correct. Yeah. So. Yes. So I guess. Right, how how does right. that make me feel better? Some dead guy doesn't know who Spider-Man is. Maybe like what? what, what? No, but it still had the relationship with him. It still meant something. that all. And, still... the, and the other way to look at it is that every relationship Peter has with people, he still remembers. So the memory of Peter and Tony through Peter's right. eyes still lives on. Yeah. Well, that yes. makes it just depressing. <laughs> that's what that. Well, no, because Tony's dead. It's not going. It's not like Tony forgets who Why he is. Why am I supposed Tony's to care gone. about Tony right now? What about all the people that are alive that don't know Peter anymore? Well, just, she just. Yeah. Okay. But well, I mean, the movie only sets up that like three people matter, right? And one of them dies in this movie, and the other two, like I know that Ned matters, but like Ned doesn't really matter. Like it's really just MJ. Happy. Like that's I'm the still only person. Happy I like Ned. <laughs> I like Ned too, but I'm just saying that like if, happy is if, important in all a, of this. Also, is he? Yes, he is. <laughs> he is. <laughs> and, it, it, and I mean, if you're introducing that kind of concept, then it also made me wonder, why can't he just tell Happy? Like, what, what, what's stopping him from doing that? What's that going to upset? If anything, that'd be very useful for him to have Happy in his corner. Who's Happy going to tell? I also, so, I mean, again, I don't want to pick it apart, but like, Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange, I'm not going to call him Stephen, that's weird. Doctor Strange <laughs> can do the spell however he wants to do the spell, right? Because, like, clearly this whole happens because he keeps changing the spell mid-cast, right? Like, oh, Aunt May, and oh, MJ, and oh, Ned, and also Happy, or whatever, right? And, like, that's what it all goes. Couldn't you at the end be like, hey, let everyone forget except for Ned and MJ? Well, <laughs> I mean, yes is my answer to that question, but the movie's logic implies that to fix the universe that's slowly breaking apart at that moment... You can't, you can't make any substitutions. Yeah, it has to the be spell. a hard reset. That's, that's what they're saying. Okay. Despite, but yeah, despite, I mean, despite not... Doctor Strange being presumably the smartest and best wizard of all time next to Wong, of course, <laughs> it, this this is the one spell that trips him up as far as like how to make so everything so perfect. Because the movie also says that, that like the, the, the trouble comes from the changing, not from the like yeah. line Very items. Very clear. Yeah. 
So just be like, okay, yeah, these three people, they all know me. Everybody else forgets. Like, cool. But well, I, what, I, I, I get you, what they're doing. You, you, t- you talking about them just kind of like, you know, sidelining Strange for a while. It's like, that's the blood, that's the problem right there. It's the fact that he, much like Captain Marvel, it's like, he's a wizard that can do anything. She's a yeah. super powerful force that can do anything. So it's like, if the second you have them incorporated into more of the movie, it's like, well, why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? They have a wizard that can do anything. Why can't they just fix this all, all around? It's like, it. Yeah, I, and I, I don't want to like overthink it because like these are not movies that are meant to be like, yeah, it's comic Even book people logic. people are going to. Like it's, it's, it's supposed to be enjoyable, yeah. right? So, and and it, the emotion of that works. You feel sad at the end. So. Yeah, I, it sets a certain status quo. I think you were, Peter, maybe you were referencing it earlier as far as like where one of you was. Uh, it's been a long time. We've been doing this for a while. But um, it sets up a certain status quo that feels very familiar to Spider-Man as far as broke <laughs> on his own, um, has to make everything himself or what have you. And, you know, and, and for the future from here on out, like these three movies serve as like an origin story of sorts. That's all that's now been fully completed because he's the kind of Spider-Man we're all familiar with at this point. Like it, that that's a neat way to end this story. It sucks on various levels because of the things that he's lost during all this, both in terms of like his aunt may literally dying and like the relationships that he's established or whatnot. But like it's it's like, well, yeah, there's there's Spider-Man. That's that's the kind of that's a version of the character that feels very familiar Wait, why wouldn't he? And this is so nitpicky, but <laughs> at the very end, he has his new suit that he made himself, which I like. I thought that was great. I like the idea of him finally not relying on Stark technology. I think that's a good. I, I think it's a good idea. But technically, just because the, the people at Stark Industries don't know him anymore, the physical suit would still exist, right? I have you no know, idea. <laughs> yeah, I think he can still use it. Like, yeah, unless like... the suit phased away and we didn't see it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really... I mean, I have notes every week for this show, and I have on one bullet point I wrote, magic is dumb, because I, I mean, there's, there's not enough... There's... Well, no, because, like, they at the end, J. Jonah Jameson, in his, like, upgraded studio or whatever, is talking about the destruction at the new Statue of Liberty, right? So, like, everything that happened, happened. Like, they didn't undo things. It's oh, not right. like they reset, like, the right. Time Stone thing, yeah, right? So... so, like, yeah, he still has the suits. Maybe he's just like, I want to be my own man now. I can I can finally break free and be the Spider-Man that I always, like, should have been or whatever. Just feels no, like, that's a, I like that's, that. that's a dramatic that's step to take for a suit that seems very useful for the kinds of things that he's doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah but also he's smart and he can like you know re he can like reverse engineer it and just like build things from it and just like i can maybe he did honestly like maybe he did maybe he just wanted a fashion change as far as the blue and red before we before we eventually i know we've been talking a lot but before we move on one of the things i loved tiny thing we didn't get to bring up that i loved that i thought was a, a nice nice little moment loved when uh what is it peter one and peter Three? Wait, which one's Tobey Maguire? Does this matter? Just say Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> I love when they comment that he can make his own webs. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a great bit of that discussion going on. That whole I, bit was great. I also, in that same kind of thing, my favorite moment in this movie is when they're all Spider-Manning together for the first time. They all put the masks on and they're all going out and doing the thing, which in the trailer they show, but they CGI removed the older two Spider-Men. So it just looks like it's Tom Holland against the two, like all the villains. Like, so that's kind of cool. But there's one point where they're whipping around a corner and one of them webs off another Spider-Man. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Like, that's the coolest thing I in think, the world. Yeah, I actually think that they all three, like, shoot their web together and kind of, like, slingshot off of each other. Yeah. It's so cool. It's that, the coolest awesome. thing. That stuff the MCU does a lot, where they can, like, we have, we have these powers, we have the visual effects, let's make that work. Like, Shang-Chi does that, like, where he uses the rings and, like, steps on two of them to get himself into a kick pose against Tony Lung. It's like, yeah, I want to see cool shit like that. I think this movie does supply that amply, because Spider-Man's such a 
unique fighter as far as his abilities go. And there's a lot of yeah. that kind of stuff throughout this movie towards the end there. See, talking about this makes me want to see it again. That's a to me that's a that's such a good mark of like a good popcorn movie. Well, what this also it also makes me want to watch all the MCU movies again, which I definitely don't have the time to do. But like I want to go back and watch all of them. Like this is just like a comfortable again. Aside from the few that like are not good, like these just they're fun and they are successful and they are filled with charming actors and charming performances and they're good. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Brad, did you have any favorite moments? Um, I mean the entire you know. Uh... Oh, the, the sequence where they're all just talking to each other and just having like banter together. I especially love when Toby and Andrew have their own moment and where Toby like specifically hypes up Andrew Garfield. As yeah. He's, he's, he's like, Hey, you're amazing. All right. Yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just really, really just up like just adorable uplifting stuff. And also the gag Toby McGuire referencing that his back, you know, it still has back problems. Yeah. Pretty great too. Uh-huh. <laughs> So where we, so just curious, Aaron, I, I know you, you know, I follow Aaron on Letterboxd, but just curious for you guys, what's your favorite, what's your favorite Spider-Man movie? And then where does this rank for you? I, I think my favorite is probably still Spider-Man 2. Uh, I think that it comes as close as you can to having uh, a pretty perfect comic book movie. Um, I think this, this comes pretty close to topping uh, all the, all the other ones um, just because it's, it really is impressive, like what they pulled off here, and like just the the heart, uh, the emotion, the, just everything in it works for the most part. With the exception of that, you know, clunky first half, um, which, like I said, you know, it isn't even like a major detractor. But uh, yeah, I, I think that this is probably now probably my second favorite uh, Spider-Man movie of all time. I, I want to hear what you and Joey have to say, and I'll say mine as well. I will I will note just because you brought that up now, as far as the first hour goes. I do think like the first. 20 minutes of this movie is pretty great as far as yeah we have to establish who all of these characters are what the what's at play what's going on and make that clear to anybody that watches this movie and i think that it, the movie does it pretty effectively after that i agree there's like it you know there's a lot of bits that you have to do to like get people in places and stuff that not always entirely successful but i do think like the opening this like opening this movie like seconds like after far from home yeah, hits and you have to like immediately, you know, clarify so many different things. I think it does a really good job at that. But uh, Peter, or sorry, Joey, where, where are you with uh, ranking these? Things? I don't. I've only seen the first two Spider-Man movies once. We we covered Spider-Man three on Too Fast, Too Forever because we did a memory loss lap, and someone was like, "Yeah, do that one." I'm like, "All right, fine." Yeah, so I've seen sense. that more recently. Which uh, okay, I, mm, that's not my favorite, but. My favorite one is in the Spider-Verse, and then I can safely say probably this one. I don't, I haven't seen the first two Tobys in a while, but number one in the Spider-Verse, and then the first two are probably high up there. And this one's also this is my favorite of the Tom Holland ones. So, oh, if we're counting, my... if we're counting Spider-Verse, then Spider-Verse is is number two uh, for me. Then I was just thinking live action. Of course we are, man. We live in the multiverse. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> So where does Venom? Uh, where does Venom factor in there? Is that right at number three? Or? I like Venom. I like both Venom movies. Um. Maybe in the middle. All right. Uh, oh, wow. We forgot to talk about the Venom uh, thing. But, um, yeah. To talk about. He, he's there and then he's not there. Done. <laughs> I think they closed <laughs> the book on that, too, right? Like, he's not coming back. Yeah, just a little bit of him. There's a little bit of him there. Hardy as Eddie Brock is not, is, he's gone, right? It, right, which is seems weird because be I felt case. like, is that just. Yeah, does that just mean Sony and, and Marvel didn't get along? Because I feel like we'd all like no, to see I think Tom it, Hardy. I think it. Like, I I think it's more they want to have their whatever want whatever they want to happen as far as a Venom Spider Man confrontation. They want to leave it open to varying possibilities. So if it's Tom Hardy, it's and Tom I also Hardy, think, or if it's something else, it's something else. 
I also think they don't want it like a hard R rated swearing version of Venom. They want their own kind of like a little bit slightly tamped down Venom. I think that's my guess. I can see that. Yeah, the Venom movies are the Venom movies are already PG thirteen. Like it's not like you'd be making. A I thought they were so. R. They're not R. No. No, R. no, they're definitely not. They're definitely not. R. They're not R. They're too no. silly. And he's not swearing that. He's like shit. They would maybe. be. They would be even better if they were R. Oh, I could have sworn they were R. Then my theory goes out the window. They're, yeah, they're, they're no, not, never mind. Not R, yeah. I actually think. I think a big part of it is Sony still thinks that they can build up their own yeah. universe of Spider-Man characters, and if they want to, they you know can maybe bring Tom Holland in as Spider-Man to to join that universe and play around in it now that the multiverse is open. But I think. It's probably more of the idea that the tone of the Venom movies doesn't really jive well with the rest of the MCU, and it's just a little too goofy to really effectively fit in there. I can see that. I mean, and again, I don't know why he even shows up, because he doesn't know who Peter Parker is, right? Well, he saw, I, I heard, he saw him I, on TV, so... <laughs> well, I saw, so I saw an explanation for this, because initially that's what I thought too, Aaron, but he didn't see him on TV until he was already in the MCU, and so I, uh, the explanation that someone came up with, which I think works, uh, you know, it, it'll be funny to see if there ever is uh, a, an official addressing by, of this by Marvel. But uh, when the when that happens, uh, Venom is like pr- talking about things that he knows uh, um, from other universes that would blow Eddie's mind. So it would stand to reason that Venom could essentially be a, a multiversal character who has been in other universes and at some point has you know, come to understand that at, uh, in one universe, Peter Parker was Spider-Man. And it would also partially explain his predilection towards being fascinated by seeing Tom Holland as Peter Parker and Spider-Man, because otherwise there is no reason for him to suddenly be transfixed by seeing him on television whatsoever. I buy that, but I also think it's a very funny thing to think about that where like symbiote's like, all right, you want to, you want your, your mind to really be blown. There's this guy, Spider-Man. He's amazing, but it's just like, he's a high school kid. And like, okay, cool. So what? Like that's like, there's no story there. If you think about it, like objectively, I do like that the symbiote knows everything about everything, but like, there's nothing, there's no, like, unless you tell like Peter's antics or what, you know? Yeah, I don't think that like I don't think that's the thing that like uh, that Venom was going to reveal to Eddie. I think it's just like the idea that he knows things from sure. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a computer. Yeah. He has just all this information within him. Yeah, like, that happens to be one of those things. Oh, okay. I so really, that. so Eddie didn't get transferred. The symbiote got transferred, and Eddie was just there for the ride. Yeah. That's... Well, well, and plus, you, it would stand a reason too that since Venom was about to reveal some of these secrets to him, that that information could have also been transferred into Eddie's mind with a bunch of things, and so that's also why, you know, he got gotcha. Yeah, they're symbiotes. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's symbiotic. There it is. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, your question, Peter. Uh, Spider-Man 2 is easily my favorite. Still, Spider-Verse is right behind it, and maybe someday goes ahead of it because it's fucking great. Um, <laughs> uh, this movie, No Way Home, I currently have rank at 5th. Um, again, I haven't seen a bad Spider-Man movie, so I'm not like you know, certainly not down on it. It's higher than many others, uh, but I, you know, I like it well enough. Like it does, it does its job. How about you? Yeah, for me, it'd be third. I, I mean, I, I would say Spider-Man Two for sure is like that's the best one. But again, I loved Into the Spider-Verse, so I could see sometimes changing. I mean, those two are both pretty great. And then yeah, I would say No Way Home. Although honestly, my rating, like like you just said. All of pretty much all the Spider-Man movies, they're all except for those two that are super great. They're all like, you know, sevens or eights. They're all really good. They're all good. So I don't really. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have I one. Know what you're saying. I, the middle batch of Spider-Man movies for me are all like the same rating. It's just, you know, preference. Yeah. At that point. So I can see that before we wrap this up, because I did want to address this. Um, 
I, I, cause I'm curious of your guys' thoughts. We, we've talked a lot about, uh, like, you know, fan reaction versus like a critical eye or to some degree, I'm boiling that down a little bit. I am curious that here's a question I have as far as chemistry versus character. And I, I specifically point that towards Spider-Man and his friends with Ned and specifically MJ. I don't think there's much of a character for MJ, which is a shame as far as, you know, the potential to have to expand on the one female character in this universe. But obviously there's a lot of chemistry between Zendaya and Tom Holland and Ned and um, Jacob Bedelon. Do you guys have any thoughts on like that, on, on these on these personas in this universe? Do they exist outside of Spider-Man? Because I'm just not really seeing it by comparison to the other, you know, compared to like Emma Stone or Kirsten Dunst in those movies. I mean, I... I... I, I mean, Ned is kind of Ned as a character is kind of generic as just like the Stan fan best friend thing. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I I do like the actor, like you're saying about chemistry. But I will say, though, watching Homecoming again, I like a lot of the choices they make for MJ. I like she's pretty she is not at all like a Gwen or MJ of our of what we normally think of as Spider-Man. The, there is just a kind of bluntness to her character as a high school kid, like the fact that, you know, she just hangs out in detention there. There's a lot of nice choices. I think that MJ gets in homecoming. So I would say that, that I would Do say you that see those in this movie. Something. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the characters. Okay. So you're saying in this particular. Yeah. In the one, movie we're reviewing today on this podcast. Yes. Well, no, but I, I know, but I thought, <laughs> we were thinking, yes, I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm just thinking of the trilogy, but, um, yeah, you're right. Okay, sure. Yes, in this, she is relegated. She's relegated to the girlfriend slash part of the team. But I do like the team aspect. I do like that about the three of them. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm. I see what you're saying. Then, if that's what you mean. I mean, it's not because it's not trying to like take away something. It just seems like, like I when I think of like Mary Jane in the Spider Man movies, like she has a life. She has a she has things that are going on in her life. She has a family. She has like there's stuff around her that I can identify about a character that's layered. I can't say that about MJ and these things, but she well, is. Well, a, we don't, but, some of that, we don't, but I wouldn't like it more. <laughs> yeah, I think some of that stems from the fact that like this iteration of the characters, they're they've stayed young for all three movies. They're still teenagers. They're just now going into college, so they haven't had much of a life period outside of school and hanging out with each other. Whereas in like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. MJ and Peter, we watched them, you know, go from high school to college to being adults and having jobs and all that kind of thing. And these characters haven't gotten that that chance. We still had three movies with them. Shouldn't we know anything more about MJ, like beyond this mysterious nature of the fact that she's called MJ, Michelle Jones and all that? Like, shouldn't there be anything to her character beyond her connection to Peter? Well, I think there was in the first one. Um, Now, it sounds like you're saying more that they just kind of didn't give her as much to do but i think in, like i said in the first one it's just something i've been th- it's, it's just something i've been thinking about because there's plenty yeah. there, there's certain, she's certainly in it that's why she's third build but i mean when you think about who is this person mj i don't have many things to list there yeah i think that's a fair criticism i think there was much more characterization for her in homecoming and since then she's just been kind of a long for the ride like far uh, from home she's the thing that peter wants that's far from that's their far from home character yeah i i think i i agree with what you're saying and it's it's a valid criticism yeah no i think it's a valid criticism the only because the only other thing i can think of is they do give her that moment um when when they get when they all get arrested they where she basically is is kind of uh 
you know, she knows her rights and she's she seems a little conspiracy minded, which is things that the character has done in the other two movies. So yeah. that is consistent, but it's not a lot. So and eh, it's, and it's yeah. directly related to Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, You're right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because, again, it's that's why I'm asking chemistry versus character, because absolutely they, they work in the movie. Like there's it's not the movies not less entertaining because of what they're doing with them. I just, you know, I'm just wondering about agency, I guess. I just didn't want that to sail in the radar. Any other thoughts? On, I know we would move on. We've been talking about this for quite a bit, but I didn't. I don't want to. R.I.P. Aunt May. We didn't talk about oh, all yeah. of that, Marissa Tomei. Did that, did that whole arc for the character work for you? Yeah, she got three movies. I thought, yeah, I thought it was still unexpected for me, but I thought it worked. And plus, I think it's... Um... It's an interesting twist to basically make her the Uncle Ben of the MCU. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I like that, too. The responsibility. Um, because in my mind, I was like, wait, does he have an Uncle Ben? And I was like, what do we know about the yeah, Uncle Ben? Yeah, I was, I was yeah. waiting uh, in the final shot, or, or at least the graveyard shot, to like see an, uh, like a, ben, uh, a ben Parker next to you One know, would think. May. Yeah, right? but, but, uh, but apparently not. Apparently not. I mean, I'd actually go further and say that, I mean... Again, I don't know if we could be like, this was their plan all along when they wrote Homecoming. But, like, I would argue that I'm sure part of the plan with Homecoming was we want a super young actor and Peter Parker. Because he's 14. He is so much younger and acts like a kid. On top of that, if he doesn't have his Ben moment, which I think he doesn't, it, it kind of accounts why he's a lot more carefree than the other Peter Parkers have been because he doesn't have because it's only now that he is now going to have the responsibility hanging. And it works, actually. I think that it just never occurred to me until now. Oh, yeah. Well, I think very, the movie it's very much occurred to me because I think a sore spot I have for Homecoming and Far From Home is that there's less emotional attachment to what's going on because of the reliance on other super characters to mentor him as opposed to having some guiding voice that's been around him that he has to think about or whatnot. I, I respect that they didn't want to like <laughs> trot out another like actor just to kill him off right away to give us that same thing. It's not like I need to see Thomas and Martha Wayne die again and show the pearls falling over the place over all the time. <laughs> but at the same time, there's like, I, I I'm here and there with that. Like, on the one hand, it's like, cool, we got around that, but it's also, you couldn't make one reference, like, just to the fact well, that there was think, an I think, what, <laughs> I think what the, this this trilogy does well, that this movie puts a really fine point on, is in that moment after May dies and he's, like, at his lowest, and like, we've had those moments, man, like, we're right there with you. And, like, it shows that even if you recognize that Uncle Ben was not there, there's still, like, the the elements are there and he still gets to that point. And I think this movie does a good job of getting him to that point. Like, I, I don't I don't need tragedy in the in the, every origin story to sure. be like, oh, yeah, now I get this. Thank you. Thank you for breaking this man's spirit in, the, in like the hour 20 minute mark of the first movie. I don't need that. Right. Just and, like. Yeah. And I'm not asking for that either. I just feel like it's it, it feels like they've gone out of their way to not address the fact that there was an Uncle Ben in any capacity whatsoever. It's like you can do that without having to drown me in sorrow about it. You can just make a mention of this fact. And it's like it's. It's it, along with like the choice to like call her MJ and Michelle Jones and not call her Mary Jane. It's like these it's these like weird little facets that they're like going after to appe either appease a certain fan base or not try to do a certain thing for the sake of reasons we don't really know why. It's just like I mean, it's Spider Man. I mean, we're allowed to have familiarity with this character. I do think again, if this was their plan all along, I think they could have had a line in the in Homecoming where. Either Uncle Ben's not dead, like they just Aunt May and him divorced, 
or he died of cancer. And then we as fans would be like, wait, he didn't die that special way? That's weird. And it's because they're waiting for the third film for it to be Aunt May. They exactly. could have done it. You, you absolutely could have done that. It might have detracted because the whole time we would have been like, but he doesn't have his classic Uncle Ben thing. And I think we were just assuming it for the last two movies, I guess. Well, we, I mean, there's yeah. – without – they don't say his name, but they do reference, like, May has gone through a lot. They go with that kind of route. Like, they so say there's, that, There's, yeah. there's clearly, like, something that occurred at some point, right. and they're just not directly addressing it. And he's got the, he's got the bag with uh, that says – uh, BJP, right? Parker, right? So he's got his, so we know that that, but yeah, I mean, they could, again, th this is, I have no idea how much all of that is plotted out or something. It came as a pleasant surprise for me when, I mean, I shouldn't say pleasant because it's a sad scene, but also it's kind of <laughs> You were awfully delighted during that sequence. <laughs> no, but also, I will say it is interesting that it's like, if somebody, so much of Uncle Ben's death is that it's just some random, it's a random criminal that Peter let go in this moment where he's being selfish. And in this thing, it's like, it's the opposite. Peter really, he, maybe he's being a little naive, but he's, and we didn't really talk about this, but he's really trying to help people. He's really trying to take these supervillains and be like, no, I can help them. He's doing the opposite of the classic Peter leaving the wrestling match thing. And then the ultimate bad guy, Norman, is the guy who killed. Like, it's very different. I think it works, but it's a very, very different choices. Well, as far as an origins, like, if you're looking at it from an origin story standpoint, sure, yeah. I mean, him being Spider-Man and wanting to help people is very in line with Spider-Man as far as... Oh, like, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which I like. I know some friends of mine, when they saw the trailer, were like, that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't he just send them? And I was like, well, I'm like, he just, that's not, I'm like, that's very Spider-Man that he wants to help. Like, that's his thing. So work for me. Well, we've shared a lot of thoughts about Spider-Man. We have to move on because I want to keep this, we have to still have to get a game and some feedback going here. But I will, <laughs> I will ask you, when should people go and see this movie? Spider-Man No Way Home is currently in theaters and IMAX everywhere. Uh, Peter, when should people see this movie? I mean, assuming, of course, I, I do, of course, want everyone to be safe. But, you know, if you got your booster shot and you're like, I live in L.A., so like going to AMC, you have to show your it's not just wearing masks. You have to show your uh, your Vax card or whatever. If if you feel safe or whatever, I, I absolutely think seeing it with a crowd, like not not just in theaters, but hopefully seeing it with people, I think is a really great experience. Joey, where should people when should people see this movie? I mean, I'm assuming that people who are listening to this probably already saw it. <laughs> yeah. um, when should they tell people to see this movie? Well, I think that if you care about spoilers at all, see it as fast as you can True. in a way that you feel safe. If you don't care that you know everything that we talked about in this, then see it whenever. Like, you know, if you don't – see it whenever you want. But I think there's something – when does this come out? Does this come out tomorrow, Monday? Yeah. I still think if you're able to see it now, like I think for a couple more days, there's still going to be like the buzz of the like excited crowd who hasn't seen it yet vibe. So if you haven't seen it, you care about it, go see it soon. Cause I think what we talked about, that energy is something to capture, but I, like, I guarantee the people that see this on like Christmas day are still going to be as excited. Like, oh, there's, sure. There's plenty of people that just have the families that are just waiting for them. Yeah, all but to there's, be together. there is still something like that whole collective crowd where nobody knows the spoilers and everyone's seeing it for the first time and everyone's excited about it. And everyone like chose to be there mm -hmm. as soon as they possibly could. Like that's special. Fair enough. Brad, when should people see this movie? 
Yes, uh, I, I will echo the sentiments of if you can do it safely uh, and you feel good enough, um, and there, if there's you know vaccine mandates, mask mandates, what have you, then I would see it in theaters as soon as you can. Another good option for that, if you feel like you can't necessarily trust the rest of the movie going public or just don't feel safe, um, I know that uh, a lot of AMC theaters locations are still doing uh, private watch parties. Oh, yeah, good idea. Yeah, and the the price points vary based on on market, but it's if you can get uh, they allow up to twenty uh, people to get in on these private watch parties. So if you can get twenty people together, you can um, get it so that at the very least you're paying the same price as you would for a ticket, if not less. So look into that as an option if you can get enough of your friends and family together to do a private watch party for Spider Man. I would absolutely recommend that. I'm in line of everyone here. I mean, it's a new Spider-Man movie. It's wildly entertaining. Obviously, keep the various parameters in mind as far as how to stay safe while watching said film. But if that's, you know, a possibility, uh, which it, you know, very much can be, um, see, you know, see it. Like, it's, <laughs> you're going to have a good time. Uh, that's, that's very likely. So, okay, guys, we've talked extensively about Spider-Man No Way Home. Let's, um... <laughs> Let's let's move on now to more silliness as we get to uh, we get to some uh, some games here. That is of course the improv theme for games, and I have a game for you guys this week. It is called Web Spinning. What I have done here is I have I have actors who appear in this movie, Spider-Man: No Way Home, who have partnered with other actors from the MCU. I am going to read you a tagline from films outside of the MCU combining two of these actors, and you have to tell me what you think the movie is. Cool. If you Love th- it. If you think you know the answer, say your name, and then the answer. As we go through this, this should make a lot of sense. So, first up, Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. have obviously been in various Spider-Man movies together. What other movie have they starred in? The tagline is, he's just not a people person. Peter. Peter. Ian Dr. Doolittle? Are they in Dr. Doolittle together? What's the title of that movie? Oh, Dr. Doolittle. Incorrect. Joey. Joey? I'm so sorry. It's just do it's Doolittle. Doolittle is the correct oh! answer. <laughs> I shouldn't get a point for that, but I'll take the point. You've, I, I, I gave him all the opportunity in the world to answer it correctly. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right, he did. Here's the next one. Zendaya has starred with Josh Brolin, to some degree, or at least he's, they've been in the same universe together. This other movie also features these two actors. Peter. The, uh, yeah? Dune. You got it. Yeah, there you go. Made up for it. The tagline not, is... Be, not, doc, not Dr. Dune. Correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> the tagline is, Beyond Fear, Destiny Awaits. Here's the next one. Tom Holland, once again, <laughs> has started a film with Chris Hemsworth, various Spider-Man and Avengers movies. Avengers movies. But this other film also stars them together, the tagline being Experience the true encounter that inspired the myth. Brad. Brad? In the Heart of the Sea? In the Heart of the Sea is the correct oh, answer. Oh, he's in that? Huh. Huh. He, he climbs inside of a whale's guts. Huh. Here's the next one. Willem Dafoe, obviously he's in Spider-Man No Way Home, along with Samuel L. Jackson, who's appeared in other Spider-Man movies. This film stars them together, the tagline being, prepare for the next level. Obviously not being an obvious choice, as I would have expected, as I anticipated. This is a 2005 film. It's also a sequel. 
What? <laughs> like that's making things harder. Prepare for the next level. Peter. Peter. Oh wait, no, that's too early. Um. Sam Jackson. Wait, a, Willem Dafoe. Is it the nego- is it the negotiator? But I don't think that's a sequel. No, Willem Dafoe's not in that either. No, here's yeah, I, I guess there, there are so many reasons I'm, why that's wrong. <laughs> I'm guessing well, it's I was a sequel. 2005. Like, who's in this? Like, it's a sequel to a video game movie. I'm assuming, which is the next level thing. That's what I thought too. It's but not. I wasn't sure. But it's there, there's you can maybe say it's video game adjacent given the tone of this thing. I will say uh, I'll give you another hint. The star of the first film is not in the sequel. Right. Yeah. Because like it, yeah, if there's a movie that we're all struggling like it's like this is not a movie that anybody saw. Yeah, no, it's probably likely. Although you're at least you're at least aware of its existence. I'll add another Tim clue. Jackson, I'll add another clue. There is a third sequel where the star of the first film returns. What? What? Uh, <laughs> I it's it's mm. uh-huh. Is, is my my question to you is is the is this franchise close to my heart? I mean, it's close to your heart. It's, it's tangentially close to your heart. I'll put it yeah, that Joey, way. Yeah, Joey, is it Triple X Two? Yes, it is. State of the Union. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I had no idea that either those were either those guys were in the second one. Yeah. Wow. Here's the next one. Tom Holland once again has started Chris Pratt in movies, including this one. The tagline being "Cometh soon." Brad. Brad. Onward. Onward. So Brad's getting the Tom Holland ones. I guess that's what we're <laughs> I forgot that he's in, or didn't know that he's in all these movies. Tom Holland, he gets around. Here's the next one. Alfred Molina is, of course, in Spider-Man No Way Home. Another character, another actor in the MCU is Salma Hayek in The Eternals. Together they starred in this film, the tagline being, prepared to be seduced. Oh, P- Peter? Peter. Uh, Frida? Frida is the correct answer. It's a close game, guys. I think you're all tied. <laughs> no. Here we go. That Doolittle should not count. I should be in last, but I will no, take it. No, he got it wrong. You got it right. <laughs> Accept it. He knew the rules. It's really like two and a half to two to one and a half, but all right, that's fine. <laughs> Here's the next one. Tom Holland. <laughs> so, he uh, he and uh, he and uh, Tom Hardy have both been in the Spider-Man movie together. Maybe not in the shared scenes, but they've been together. What other movie also featured these two actors? The tagline is, no turning back. That's a really vague tagline. But I have a year. 2013. Hmm. Tom Holland was like six years old? (laughs) I'll add this. Only one of them appears on camera. Huh. Oh. Peter. No, I don't remember the name of that movie. Uh. (laughs) Is it the bird one, the one where you, uh, the bird with Will Smith? Is that Will Smith and Tom Holland? Uh... So it, by me saying this, only one of them appears on camera. That means that only only one appears on. What does that mean? I'm trying, like, I'm trying to get your. Well, life. actually, you're right. Then that means if I the one I'm thinking is all animated. Also, it's Wait, 20... what's the Will Smith bird movie? What? Spies in Disguise, of course. That's right. Oh, that's Spies that's in way Disguise. More that's, that. that's, yeah, yeah, it's very it's very recent. I didn't think it was that old though, so I was like, I don't yeah, think it's 2015. Like, yeah, um, they're spies in disguise because they're birds. Uh, Tom Hardy, only one of them appears on screen. Yes. Is it some, is it like a moon thing? Oh wait, say the tagline again. No turning back. Joey. Joey. Lock. Lock is the correct answer. 
Okay, I had no idea Tom Holland was in that. But oh, there's I only never one person it. appears on screen. So he's there, like, there he's like go. the voice of his son ah. on the phone because he's all on the, oh, phone. He's nice. on the phone throughout that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the next one. Jamie Foxx, of course, is in Spider-Man No Way Home. He's also he's also uh, Robert Downey Jr. has also, of course, appeared in this universe. They together have been in this movie together. The tag on Brad. Peter. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I heard Brad. Okay. The, the soloist. The soloist is the correct answer. Yep. Wow. Nice. You know, I could have been tricky because he's also in due date with Robert Downey Jr., but I did have the solo with the tagline being, no one changes anything by playing it safe. <laughs> That's a tagline, all right. Um, all right. It's a close game still, guys. Next one. Tom Holland. God damn it. <laughs> he appears with Benedict Cumberbatch in Spider-Man No Way Home, but he's also appeared in this movie with Benedict Cumberbatch. The tagline being, only one could power the world. Power the world? Peter? Peter. Is it like Tesla or something like that? Is that the name? You have the subject of the film correct. Damn it. <laughs> What's the Brad. name? Brad. Brad? Current War? The Current War yes! is the correct uh, answer. Uh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were very close. Yes. <laughs> All right, a couple more. John Favreau has appeared with a few characters in the Marvel Universe, including Scarlett Johansson and Robert Downey Jr., who starred in this film together, starting from scratch, never tasted so good. Joey. Joey? Ah, shit. Oh, yeah. The favorite film of another host on our network, Foodie Films, it's Chef. Chef yeah. is the correct answer. Yeah. Here's the last one. Benedict Wong has appeared in a movie featuring many other former stars or former appearances from these actors um, in the MCU. Uh, including Michael Pena, Sebastian Stan, Chiwetelogy for Matt Damon, Donald Glover, and Kate Mara. The tagline for this film being "Bring him home." Peter. Peter. Um, the Martian. Uh, the Martian yep. uh, is the correct answer. I like that you buried Matt Damon in that list. No, he said it. I know. No, I, 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 bar- I buried it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I know. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, counting up these uh, these points here, it looks like Brad and Joey are tied. Ooh. Oh. Which means I have to ask a tiebreaker question now. And fortunately, I am very quick to form a tiebreaker question, so give me one second here. Because <laughs> um, this is a very important game in the scheme of things. All right. I'm going... Okay, let's see. How can I phrase this to make it work? I'm going to just ask it plainly. What is the highest... Which Spider-Man film has the highest gross domestically? Should we both guess, or is it just whoever guesses first? I you both guess. Highest domestic gross. I I think it's Spider-Man 3. I think that's a good guess. I will say... I think that's actually probably the right answer. I'm going to say the first Amazing Spider-Man, the first Garfield one. <laughs> because neither of you are right. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, yeah, I guess you both get second chances. <laughs> uh, in that case, I'll, I'll go. I'll go first because you went first last time. I will. Okay. Uh, I'll take Homecoming. Okay. I will go with Spider-Man Two. <laughs> you guys are both wrong again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Really? I will, I will take Far From Home. Okay. Even though that's probably also wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, that that was going to be my guess, but I'll go with, just just for a good measure, I'll go with the original Spider-Man. Brad, you're correct, you win the game. It is Spider-Man 1. <laughs> so with everything that's been the law of diminishing returns since the first one. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it's kind of wild, right? Spider-Man yeah. made $407 million world, uh, in America. Spider-Man 2 made 373. Uh, Spider-Man 3 made 336. So domestically, they all went down, but um, worldwide, Spider-Man made 825. Spider-Man 2 made 788. Um, and Spider-Man three made eight ninety four, which held. Oh, the record. see, that's that's why yeah, I thought world, it was yeah. the biggest. Yeah, worldwide, it was it until Far From Home came out, it was still the biggest one. Um, Amazing Spider-Man made two sixty two. Spider-Man two made two o two. Um, they each made seven fifty seven, seven o eight. Um, certainly diminishing there. Homecoming three thirty four in America. Far From Home three ninety. Worldwide, Whoa. worldwide, ho- uh, Homecoming was eight eighty. Uh, and Spider-Man Far From Home made a billion point one. So, I mean. so this is going to be the number one on that list next weekend, right? Probably if it domestic, makes it another... yeah, easily. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, domestic. It'll, it'll. I mean, I don't know. It's not going to four hundred million by next weekend, but it's going to make it. Well, actually, <laughs> given the the numbers, we're yeah. at no, two seventy right yeah, now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Weekend next weekend, right? Yeah, so. exactly. So yeah, it's going to be topping it next weekend as far as the domestic gross for this movie goes. Uh, we'll see how far it goes worldwide, but I'm you know I'm not assuming a giant downturn in Spider-Man all of a sudden. Uh, the only thing that could be a dumb turn is the om- Omicron. Om- Omicron? I never say that right. Omicron. Oh, Omicron. That's the only thing that I think could hurt it, but no. I mean, it's... Oh, my, yeah. oh, my it hasn't hurt it so far. 70, even if it's a 70% drop or something, I mean, like, which I'm probably sure... I mean, it'll still be a lot. It's still like, a lot. Yeah. Well, Brad, congratulations on winning this week's game. Well, thank you. <laughs> I know you worked hard for it, so... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, so let's do our last thing here. It's a little bit of out now feedback, 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 where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash on podcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners, and they get some answers. Uh, Brad, Joey, Peter, feel free to lend in your answers as we go through these questions here. Uh, first up, what are some great movies that open with the hero immediately in danger? Chris writes, John Wick 3. It was a good answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sticking with the Marvel theme, Thor Ragnarok. There you go. That's a good one. Age of Ultron opens in an action scene. I don't know if they're in danger, but they're in an action scene to kick that movie off. Sure. Yeah, I was about to say, how much danger do we need? Yeah, I mean, we can all... go with it within, like, yes, like, in like in action. Sure. Oh, one of my favorite openings of any movie ever, Mission Impossible 3. Boom, there you go. Oh, I will say a movie we're going to cover on Too Fast next week, Crank High Voltage, starts with Jeff Chelios falling from a helicopter, yeah. right? So, like, that's pretty dangerous. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the job done. Uh, when we say Matrix Reloaded with Trinity... Does that count? Sure, it throws you right yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, she's being chased um, by agents. She's being chased by... Actually, technically, that's also the Matrix. Yeah. Guess, yeah. Um, Although, I don't think she's in danger. She's got the first one under control, pretty much. The second one... Second the one, second, yeah. one, second, second one throws you right in. You're like, what's happening? Right, 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 right. Um, I don't know why I can't think of a big MCU one, but I'm like, I'm sure most of those MCUs have it. But I'm trying to think what the openings are. Um... Well, it's generally, you know, it's usually like a flashback to something, some some guy's dad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and also Matrix Reloaded <laughs> is a dream, right? So it's sort yeah, of... Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's, well, it's a dream that comes true. Yeah. yeah. Or the, previous, the previous version of something that happened in the past. But regardless, next question here. What are your favorite versions of the Spider-Man costume? Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes the Tobey Maguire-era red costume. And Chris agrees. He is, yep, Tobey Maguire's. Your favorite Spider-Man costume? You know, I gotta say, I love, I really like the the Andrew Garfield one, and specifically, what I love so much was that in No Way Home, 
I identified him because of the big eyes. He has the largest eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, those the Tony Stark suits are pretty cool. So, yeah. But actually, no. I you know what? I would honestly say I think to- Tobey Maguire's is my least. I feel I feel like with respect to Colleen Atwood or whoever did the costumes, I feel like they didn't they didn't quite know how to either what material to use or how to light a superhero outfit yet. I think that. They get, I mean, now later they're like CG, but that's yeah. the other thing. It's practical at least in those movies. Correct, true, <laughs> it is, but it looks. Sometimes I think it looks kind of too stagey or something. Like, um, but I can see that for the first Spider-Man movie. I think it. Oh, yeah, well, that's what I meant. I meant the first one. I think the second one looks great. Um, but, but yeah, I think I'm gonna go with those big. I really like those big eyes. So I like the Andrew Garfield one. All right, Tim Burton over here with his big eyes. You guys, you guys gotta... <laughs> yeah. I will I will say, it's not my answer because I don't have the affinity to the comic books like I was talking about before, but the sound my crowd made when Peter swings out in his costume that he ends this movie with is probably going to rank high for many people. Mm-hmm. Wait, you mean the new Peter, the blue one? Yeah, the like, the comic the... the comic accurate blue one, yeah. Yeah, that is pretty nice. It's nice. My, my crowd was just like, oh! I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah! <laughs> Wait, what about what about what is it? Tiny monkey? Is that how it's introduced? Night early? monkey. Night. What about the night monkey outfit? Come on. <laughs> the monkey's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man Noir up there. I mean, I like the visual, like the Spider-Verse ones. Like I, I know it's not really Spider-Man, but Spider-Gwen, like the white and black in the trailer that we talked about earlier. Like that's just a cool looking costume, right? So. Sure. Yeah, that is a cool outfit. All right. Next question we have here: Who is your favorite Spider-Man movie villain? John writes Doc Ock. Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, writes the guy in the thumbnail, which is referring to Green Goblin, who I put in the picture for that one. Adam Gentry writes, I gotta go with Dr. Octopus. And Jeff Mendes writes, not up for debate with a gif of Mary Jane. Little, little villain? Down, down on Mary Jane. Wait, he there. says not up for debate what? Mary Jane. That's what? I don't understand. He, I, I, he's, I, tr- he's trolling. He's yeah, trolling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did I forget something? Like, um, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like it's pretty much Doc Ock. Although I gotta say, Willem Dafoe really did. He really brought it in in No Way Home. He's pretty great. As I don't love him in the first Spider Man, but he's really good in No Way Home. But I, yeah, for me, Doc Ock. Like it's been Doc Ock for me, but like just no way. Like having rewatched the first Spider Man recently and then watching this one, it's like Dafoe's really bringing it here. Like he's he, he is. He, he is. And I, and I don't think he's bringing the same energy he's bringing to regardless of the costume, the performance that Willem Dafoe is giving in that movie, I think is pretty terrific. Yeah. I'm going to go with Paul Giamatti as Rhino. Good answer. <laughs> I like Donald Glover getting his hand webbed to the back of the car in the first in Homecoming, so I'll yeah, go Donald Glover. Miles' uncle, yes. Yeah, Aaron. <laughs> God. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Who is Spider-Man's greatest enemy? Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes, Uncle Ben. Dude should have been... <laughs> Dude should have taken better care of himself. <laughs> uh, Ricardo writes, The Press, always with the fake news. And uh, Jeff writes, J. Jonah Jameson. Those last two answers are kind of the same, right? I suppose. My answer is greatest. always my answer is always is uh, producer Avi Arad. Um, he's greatest, Spider-Man's greatest foe. Not according to the No Way Home credits. Uh, right? What was that? <laughs> the yeah, like, that was, yeah. the especially <laughs> large text to thank Avi Arad. Like, yeah. What, what pictures does he have of everybody that he yeah. needs to like, get that name on? <laughs> I will say, um, I will say, even though it's my least favorite of the Tom Hollands, but like Aaron says, there's no bad, there's no bad Spider-Man movie. I really like the big, the big moment when Mysterio really 
throws Peter into all those different like um, stage situations. It to me, I remember being like, it's such a great villain for Peter because it throws his spider sense off. That's a really good kind of villain. Uh-huh. I, I really like that. Joey Brad, greatest enemy. Any thoughts? I think I pretty get... much covered it. Right. Yeah. What Spider-Man stories and characters do you still want to see introduced in the Spider-Man film? Chris writes, honestly, I'm a bit spidered out. I would prefer to see him as an ensemble with some other characters. Are there any Spider-Man characters you still want to see? I mean, I would love to see them bring uh, Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen into the live-action universe. Black Cat. Like, yeah, there's a lot of characters I want to see. Um, yeah, it was cool in No Way Home where they're like, where Jamie Foxx is talking to Andrew Garfield. Oh, yeah, like, and he was like, oh, I just thought, you know, like this, 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 this. I was just like, you were black. He's like, there's probably a black Spider-Man out there. And like the guy next to me was like, hell yeah, there is. So like, yeah, that's bring Miles in. <laughs> I like, I like what Andrew Garfield is like. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like he apologizes that he's not black. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. I will say, here's actually, I mean, we, weird addendum or a, a extension of Aaron's question because I talked, I was talking about this with uh, my girlfriend. Is I don't think they would do it. But would you guys be up if the next Spider-Man movie, if the writers came up with a new villain? Or is it no, there's no way the MCU would do that. They're always basically going to – they're just basically going to hopefully use a villain that's not overused. I mean I just, like, don't, see were, a, I just don't see a reason to create a new villain because of how extensive his villain library already is. Well, because maybe they got a villain that speaks to today. I don't know. I mean – you could, I'm, I mean, I mean, it's not like they could modify these villains if they needed yeah, to. Yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah, I think you can turn any villain into a villain of today. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's what they did with – um. Uh, uh, Mysterio. Mysterio, Mysterio is basically is a tech, that. Yeah. Tech guy. Yeah. Or, or right. even uh, even um, Vulture is like that to a degree. Is like, oh, I suffer financial hardships and everything. Like, I mean, there's, uh, there's ways to address you're, these things. So your thing is no. It's like you. you he's got so many characters. I don't think. Take... I mean, I think it's it's a it's a it'd be a weird idea to be like the you know the secondary character of a Spider-Man movie is a character we've never seen in Spider-Man before, despite having so many options that we haven't even used yet. It does happen, though. Let's remember that, like, um, didn't uh, – isn't Harley Quinn not from the comics? She was created from the Batman animated series. So it does happen it where does. new characters are born. Like, they're... Yeah, but they've, but they've never done that in movies. Like, they've always – like, and, and, like, now we've gotten to the point, too, where, like, Harley Quinn has been, like, well-established for outside yeah, multiple of Batman the animated before. series. Now, yeah. Exactly. yeah, I mean <laughs> – I mean, you see, you're mentioning Harley Quinn. Like, Venom's not a, that old of a character. I mean, like, True. You, you can create new characters, but, you know, it's 2021. Like, it's – I mean, it's been a while uh, since we've had these. But, like, I'll tell you what character I don't care about that they're supposed to make a movie is uh, Craven the Hunter. Eh. Like, I don't I, – I mean, I did see what they're – what their take is. I mean, I'm more my... interested in Craven than Morbius, who has a movie and a trailer that I've uh, seen multiple yeah. times. So, I mean, I'd ra- I am true. interested in what Craven does because, like, there's something there for me to work with. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you that. I don't, yeah, the Mobius thing looks ridiculous. All right. Last question I have here What are other MCU characters that you'd like to see Peter spend more time with? Hmm. I mean, the obvious is the upcoming Fantastic Four. Is, is, I mean, that makes sense. You know? Sure. Oh, oh, actually, I I would like to see him with Daredevil, not just Matt Murdock. That'd be cool. Yeah. If there were some way to have Peter Parker spend more time with the Guardians of the Galaxy, I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Like he just gets phased into space for some reason. Like, oh guys, <laughs> <Just> hanging out. <laughs> All right. Well, that was enough feedback. 
And uh, feedback, feedback. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing for leeliveentertainment.com and as well as Wise of the Blue and some variety stuff occasionally. I'm also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, let's go down the list. Joey Lewandowski, where can people find more of you online? Every Tuesday, Too Fast, Too Forever, anywhere you get podcasts. We are working our way through the Fast and Furious movies for the 10th time. Our pit stops this lap are the Shaw Brothers movies, the movies of Vanessa Kirby and Helen Mirren and Jason Statham and Luke Evans, but also movies made by the Shaw Brothers of, you know, the classic martial arts movies and everything <laughs> like that. So we're having a lot of fun there, 10th time through these movies. I also do want to plug, once again, my friend's show, High School Slumber Party, also on the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want more Spider-Man content, he and his friends have covered all of the Spider-Man movies this month. So they got another 250 episodes or something like that. So check out uh, cageclub.me for all those shows, Too Fast, Too Forever, High School Slumber Party, and everything else we do. Peter Paris, where can people find more of you? Uh, I write for uh, YSWU.com, and I'm on Twitter at as a pajama with an O. And Brad Oman, where can people find more of you online? You can find me at SlashFilm.com, on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. Uh, you can also check out my podcast, the 10 to 1 podcast, which is a Saturday Night Live podcast where me and a couple other diehard Saturday Night Live fans review every new episode. Uh, this past weekend's was especially an interesting one because of the coronavirus of it all. Uh, and then I also have another podcast called Go Flix Yourself, which comes around intermittently because of just general complicated things. Uh, right now, you can check it out on uh, Spotify and Anchor, and it'll be back on iTunes soon. Uh, and that SNL podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, a bunch of other podcast places. So uh, feel free to check those out. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for various variations of slash outnowpodcast or slash outnow underscore podcast. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Joey, Brad, Peter, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Yeah, thanks thank for having you. me on. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks, for your, thanks for inviting me and us. For sure. Glad to have you guys on as always. Glad to talk a lot about Spider-Man with you guys. And uh, until next week when we re-enter the Matrix, that's going to do it here. So until next time, so long and goodbye.